0: Well, Bolin Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, ninety-six percent said & Brand sheets get softer with every single wash. Bolin Brand sheets are made from the finest one hundred percent organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable, Bowling Brand sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. They're luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bolin Brand gives you a thirty-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. Hey, folks, you're about to listen to our latest episode of Daily Wire Backstage. It's with me and Andrew Clavin and Michael Knowles, who's terrible, and God King Jeremy Boring. We're going to talk about all the things you want to know. We're going to answer your questions from Daily Wire subscribers. I think you're going to love it. Enjoy. I think we're on.
1: Oh my God.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Daily Wire Backstage Spring Break Edition. Unlike Girls Gone Wild, Spring Break, we have... I can't even read that. <laughs> <laughs> I got the Girls Gone Wild of the whole so, show just, so far. <laughs> so far this is great, dude. I like Girls Gone Wild, just start drooling. <laughs> Roll opening graphic. So that's why you always do a test uh, of reading the teleprompter <laughs> before the show, which we definitely do. What if you do. hosted
0: a show, dude?
1: Yeah, that, that's what I
2: did. Yeah, Twitter thinks it'd be a great idea. Yeah. Twitter couldn't possibly be a <laughs> 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 I am Jeremy Boring, god king of The Daily Wire, lowercase g, lowercase k. With me tonight, Ben Shapiro, Andrew Clavin, eh, Alicia Krause, <laughs> the only married pregnant mother ever to appear in a spring break edition of anything. <laughs> and we have a special guest tonight. He is perhaps even grumpier. Than Ben about needing to be uh nah, 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 nah. and he does a show from a car.
1: You guys know this guy? <laughs> yeah, he works here.
2: Matt Walsh. Really? Wow. Yeah, Matt oh, Walsh. Is he, he's
3: that. He's that well-known Buddhist. Is that, yeah,
1: is yeah. that yeah. The well-known yoga, yogin? Yogi.
2: yogi? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna do something really cool tonight. So pay attention. If you sign up to become a Daily Wire annual subscriber during the live broadcast of this episode, you and a guest will be entered into a raffle to win. Get this: a free trip to L.A and an opportunity to sit in on the set and watch us as we tape The Daily Wire backstage. You'll get to meet all of us after the show, except for Matt Walsh, because let's be honest, he doesn't want to meet you. (laughs) And and also, we'll probably never see him again. (laughs) In fact, tonight, right now, we have the winners uh, who who won the raffle last time we did a Daily Wire backstage. They're sitting in on our smoke-filled set just off camera, Uh, They subscribed during the live stream, last time we were together, and won the sweepstakes. And here he is with his wife. Thank you guys for joining us uh, tonight. Well, now you can never get a job anywhere, so. (laughs) (laughs) So you two could uh, win a chance to look as miserable as they do right now. (laughs) By becoming a Daily Wire annual subscriber during tonight's live stream. Subscribers also get to ask questions during the show. Alicia, let them know how. Yeah, uh,
4: you know, I once worked for a really generous boss who gave my husband and I a pretty hefty check that helped pay for a lavish honeymoon on the beaches of Australia. So when I heard the spring break edition and the God King said I would get to go to a beach, I thought it would be better than a green screen. Uh, Anyway.
2: Alicia, you're not supposed to ruin the joke. (laughs) Those are some of our best special effects.
4: (laughs) we've ever done. I don't know, the special effect of Matt Walsh in a Hawaiian shirt is pretty good. (laughs) Maybe you spent everything trying to convince him to get here, and that's why I'm not actually on a beach in Oahu,
2: but. He drove here in his studio. (laughs) All the way from the East Coast. I'm
4: glad it could make it across countries. That's a lot for that car. Uh, So yes. You should sign up tonight. Oh, sorry, the beach is so loud. Excuse me a moment. <laughs> hey, you should sign up to be a Daily Wire subscriber tonight because not only do you get to submit your questions, you could have the chance to win, to sit in on that awful smoke-filled room. I mean, feel really bad being a married mom of three. Like they're married and have two kids at home and this is their idea of a date night. We should really do better, guys. (laughs) So go over to dailywire.com. If you're a subscriber, be sure to type your question into the Daily Wire chat box so you can have it read and answered on the air. And, I mean, if you thought that March Madness was all about college basketball, which is something I just learned last year is the reigning Daily Wire March wait, wait, Madness wait, 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 ra- wait, bracket wait. champ.
0: Did you just say that March Madness is about college basketball? <laughs> I've been wondering that for three weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I'm, I'm more I'm more just angry that she won the pool last year, Alicia.
4: I'm just reminding everyone because I terrible. know I'm not gonna win again this year. But March Madness, I think, also stands for politics this week because mm. this gre- week, the greatest news week ever You can go over to our Facebook poll and check out and vote what do you think the best story is of this greatest news week ever. A, the Mueller report destroys the Russian hoax, uh, the Russian collusion hoax. Michael's super-duper excited about that one. B, not a single Senate Democrat votes for the Green New Deal. C, Jesse Smollett gets off (laughs) scot-free. Or D, the economist apologizing for calling Ben an alt-writer. Well...
0: That sounds great. That sounds great. Yeah.
5: Cool. <laughs> yeah. Can we go?
2: But, yeah. I think that the poll tonight is just an outline of tonight's show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that we finally organized this yeah. thing. It's basically, what there is to talk about is
0: the greatest news week in the greatest history news of the of- uh, I do, I do news news have, news have to point out that our definition of great conservative news weeks has radically changed because it used to be that a great conservative news week was like, you know, appointing a Supreme Court justice or Change changing down a tax, the tax Berlin wall. And now, Right. Great conservative, winning World War II. Like, great, great <laughs> conservative news weeks. Now it's like, the, the president is not a Russian cat's paw. <laughs> Take that, leftist. The thing is, wait it. The, the reason it's the greatest news
3: week is obvious. I mean, it's not, we're saying, okay, good, the president's not a stooge of Russia. That's great. It's the fact that a, a narrative that the leftists yeah, told us is for true. over two years was not just 40% wrong, was not just 60%. It was 175,000 million percent wrong. That's Yale math right that's here. That's Yale <laughs> math right here for you. It was, and it was, it was just. The perfect victory. I think it deserves
0: a, a bigger drink than we're used to drinking <laughs> around here. You should talk about that whiskey, by the way. Yes. Did you see what it is? This so look whiskey, at the label of it. If you just... It <clears> says it's the Republicans' Pounce Whiskey. I love That's it. That's right, Republicans' Pounce. That's what it is. Pounce because Republicans it's a little
5: picture of you. on It's the a, a little
0: a whatever, Shapiro a That's riding a tiger and pouncing. And how did they, the they get that picture of you on the tiger? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a live action photo. <laughs> Clearly. And then it says on the bottom, in case of indictment, break, seal, and pour over email servers. <laughs> <laughs> it does say that right on the bottom.
1: <laughs> Pretty fantastic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, now the, the, the media fail here is, is the real story, right? The media and the Democratic fail here. They, because all they had to do was just say, President Trump, weird. Right, that's all they had yeah. to do for like the last couple of years. Just yeah. say, this guy, really? Hmm? And yeah. instead it was, No, he works for Vladimir Putin. No, without a doubt, the evidence is going to come forth. And you have schmucks like Adam Schiff pretending that he has backroom knowledge. My favorite, of course, was John Brennan suggesting for two years on national television that he had secret information that said that Donald Trump was, in fact, working for Vladimir Putin. And then it comes out that that's not true. And he says, well, maybe I got a little ahead of the evidence. I just sort of assumed. It's like, you... You ran the intelligence services. That's right.
5: Right? You well, you is, piece of crap, you are the head of what, the CIA. What's so beautiful about this? I agree with you that it's a negative victory. It's not a positive victory. Yeah. Like down the, however, the destruction of the mainstream media, that I, as I've been saying for many years, mm-hmm. the thing about the mainstream media is not the way they cover Trump. I'm happy to have the media go after the president. He's a powerful man. I want all powerful people to be hunted like dogs. That's that's <laughs> his absolutely great He's American. A French revolutionary. Over yeah, here. great <laughs> American journalism. However, it's what they did with Obama for eight years. They turned a blind eye during the IRS scandal, the Fast and Furious scandal. It, he turned every department. You know, you talk about Jesse Smollett. He turned Washington into Chicago. Yep. And what happened, all these guys who did this, the John Brennans, yep. the James Clappers, the James Comeys, they're all his guys, and it's because they press acted as a ring of invisibility. That It was like they turned Obama into Gollum. When Gollum- This is a great line. The truest they kept one.
0: telling me about how Obama, his biggest scandal, scandal was
5: the khaki suit. Scandal it was the khaki suit.
2: The truest thing ever uttered by an Obama was actually uh, uttered by uh, the first lady, Michelle Obama, recently unseated from her number one <laughs> position on the New York <laughs> Times bestseller. <laughs> who, who did that? I can yeah, uh, It was an that all off right the, guy, left I think. That off the was the it an all right <laughs> guy? And she said, unironically, we're going to bring South Side Chicago values to Washington, D.C. And all I know about the values
0: of the South Side Chicago, all I know about the South Side Chicago is that it's the baddest part of (laughs) town.
1: That's the only thing
0: I know about. The only film clip anybody knows about Chicago is Al Capone beating someone to death with a baseball bat.
2: (laughs) So the only thing lower right now than the uh, media's credibility rating is Michael Knowles's credit score. Oh, the credit you know, score. You know how I know about that? Yeah. <laughs> Lightstream. Lightstream. What Lightstream. a segue! A really I great. worked on that segue. We do
5: not, we do not, I'll tell you why we don't jest about Lightstream. We're talking to a man who, if left to his own devices, would spend himself into the ground. If I didn't have, if my wife didn't take care of me, as you all know, I would be this living. In He's the a captain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a cap, i a Better be a captain, or, or I'm lost. We do this, all of us. We take the, our credit card, we spend it, and then the bill comes due. And then suddenly you're looking at eighteen percent APR interest. I mean, that is a genuine credit card interest rate. If you get Lightstream, you can refinance your high interest credit card balances and save with a credit card consolidation loan. Lightstream will get you a rate as low as six point one four percent APR oh, with auto pay. You got to use auto pay. The rate is fixed. It never goes up. You can get a loan from five thousand to one hundred thousand bucks. And there are no. And you can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Plus, because we're here, because of us, you can save even more. Our listeners get an additional interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com backstage. It's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M com slash backstage and now I have to read this part. Ready? I read it really quickly. Get it right. Subject yeah. to creditor approval. Rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply. And offers are subject to change without notice. Visit Lightstream.com/slash/backstage for more. Information. Were you that improvising good. that last part? I just made the really but I can do the last part faster. <laughs> 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 that's what it needs, and he's a fast talker. I can't. Yeah, I'm exactly. not a fast talker. But well,
0: you know, on, so so here's the question on a going forward basis. What should Trump focus on when it comes to the Mueller report? Should he let it go? Should he try and ram this down the necks of Democrats? Like what, what do you think is useful here? My, my, uh, my personal feeling on this is that he should obviously go at the media, um, but that if he tries to turn this into a cause to love about, we're, I'm going to uncover the corruption in the, in the FBI and the CIA, and we're going to go after all the nefarious actors, it feels good, but on a political grounds, I'm not sure that that just doesn't look like petty vindictiveness as opposed to, because remember, there's another half to this story, which is that everybody's saying, you know, the media were humiliated, which is true. The Democrats were humiliated, which is true. The truth is also that Donald Trump spent two years saying that Robert Mueller was a shill of the left who was going (laughs) to indict him, right? And then Robert Mueller turned out to be honest, right? Robert Mueller ended up doing his job, which many of us were saying that that was probably going to happen. So him going after everybody now, it seems like now would be the time where it's magnanimity in victory, at least to the intelligence community, generally. Yeah, I can just Or just yeah. ignore it. And move on to the media are garbage. They've been paid. and then every time they attack him, he says, You guys were garbage on this, you're garbage on that too.
5: Yeah, you know, I can't quite go with this for, for a couple of reasons. One, Karl Rove says he should do this, so we know it's the wrong thing to do. Sorry <laughs> well, revise my opinion. Carl <laughs> Rove, by his own admission, said his biggest mistake was basically positioning Bush above the fray. And so the fray took Bush to pieces. They took him, yeah. you know, they blamed him for the weather in New Orleans, you know. Yeah. Hurricane, oh, that's your fault. And, and Bush never struck back because he had too much dignity. I don't think we have to worry about Trump having too much dignity. I also don't I also don't think magnanimity is actually in his holster. I don't think he actually has that weapon. So what I would do if I were he, I was I would definitely go after the corruption. I would definitely make a lot of noise. Nobody's going to jail over this. Hillary Clinton's not going to jail. Nobody's going. But I would just make noise about it while doing other things. One of the things about Trump that I really do appreciate is a lot of the noise he makes covers up the fact that he's doing some important stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, he actually does things that that matter to us. Like he's re, he's revamping Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which I think is a huge deal. And he does that like off to the side while everybody's focusing on the noise. That,
0: that's one possibility. The other possibility is he doesn't even know that's
5: going on. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, that. It's a possibility too. But
0: yeah? here's my problem with him going after the intel. He's not running against the intel community in 2020. No, that's true. He's running yeah. against the Democrats. So run against Adam Schiff, run against Chuck Schumer. Run against all, the, all yeah. the Democrats who maintained that this was, the, it was always the end for Trump. Run against the media, because everybody hates the media, as well they should. But running against, like, no, who cares? We, that, like James Clapper isn't a big enough person for him to punch at, except, he, he like, say what you want tonight, right? Tonight's his, his rally in Michigan.
5: Yeah. Let him do his oh, thing. Oh yeah, have a victory lap. Exactly, but like, the important enjoy yourself. Thing, the important thing, though, that is on his side is that so many people have been gutted from the FBI that if the New York Times ran a front page headline as it did during Watergate, every time a guy quit, We'd all be sitting around going, this is the biggest scandal ever. This has gutted the intelligence community. But they're all gone. And the, the people who are there are good. You know, most FBI agents are great cops yep. and they're doing a great job. And so he doesn't. He can constantly praise the people who are there now. He's really talking about Obama and the people running are echoes of Obama. You got Eric Holder making these stupid comments about how we should all feel guilty. America was never great. You got Joe Biden apologizing for American jurisprudence. You know, like I mean, so so it's a reminder of who he's running against and why he's there in the first place.
2: And so I, I've got an interesting question to kind of take it in a slightly different direction. Why did this story stick? the way that it did. It it occurs to me that you could say because the echo chamber is so vast and they were so dedicated to it, but I tend to think that most false narratives that stick do so because they have some air of plausibility. What made this story seem plausible uh, and therefore, what
0: allowed it to get the kind of traction that it did. I mean, I think two factors. And th- this is actually a, a question that I think is pretty well substantiated, the, the, the answer anyway. Two factors. One, everyone thought Hillary would win. When she didn't win, it had to be something nefarious <laughs> mm-hmm. that it meant that she didn't win. The Democrats still cannot understand that Hillary was the worst candidate in American history. And then she proceeded to lose to the second worst candidate in American history. <laughs> so they can't deal with that. And so what they've done is they've channeled that into it must have been stolen somehow. It's like Stacey Abrams in Georgia. Right. They just, they, yeah. We can't deal with this. The second thing is that Donald Trump with Russia is weird. Mm-hmm. He was weird. The entire campaign, he was weird. Right? He was saying things like, well, you know, we, he said to Bill O'Reilly, we kill people too, just like Putin kills people. Yeah, we're not and better. He's, and he's saying out loud at his rallies, I hope that Putin hacks our emails. And so if you put those two dots together, and it seems like for a lot of the left, that's really what it was because they were firmly convinced. I mean, really firmly convinced that this was going to happen. You see that in Rachel Maddow's ratings. They dropped 500,000 people yeah, in yeah. one night amazing. as soon yeah. as this happened, which shows you the kind of wish casting that was happening, not to be too self-aggrandizing, but I'm gonna point out that when I was on Bill Maher's show, this was exactly the debate. I said to Bill Maher, you could just be reasonable, right? You could just say, Mueller's gonna find what Mueller's gonna find, and I have faith that he's gonna uncover the evidence. And I haven't seen any evidence thus far of actual collusion. And Maher was like, you really don't believe Yeah, no, he was stunned, collusion? I remember that. was a smart a, young man. Right, he kept saying, people. I just can't believe that you, he said, you don't? I said, I, said, I don't believe that there was collusion because I don't see any evidence of it. He goes, you don't? Like he just See, couldn't, I, I he could there's... not fathom the possibility there wasn't because it answers all the questions. It's, a, it's, a, it's an answer that answers why Hillary lost. Right. It answers why Trump is weird. It speaks to the idea that Trump is not, also I think there's a, a, a real sense of digging at Trump because they really don't like the idea that Trump deep down is kind of a patriotic dude. And so it bothers them when he says make America great. They, they want to feel like they are more patriotic than Donald Trump is. So saying that he's a is, Russian Manchurian candidate is This is, is, is kind of a leftist
5: version of the Bertha thing, though, because uh, the, right, the right. left was constantly saying that the birther, uh conspiracy was a racist thing, or Trump was racist because he said he was from Kenya. That was about Obama's difference. Obama was not like other presidents. He wasn't patriotic like other presidents. He didn't have that sense of American exceptionalism that other presidents, every other president, every other president had had. There was something about him that was not one of us, and it was not the color of his skin It was the color of his philosophy. And so that thing, it stuck with people even after we knew it was untrue. Right, it was the same it's, thing people
0: it, were saying about how he's secretly a Muslim. It was a, yes, it was, this was feeling different. Of, and, right, it was a feeling and, of, of foreignness. And, and Trump, a and like Trump for is front, the same, Trump Trump H. Is H. The same, same
5: way. way. Trump is like a, a loose cannon. We're not quite sure of him. And when they say things like that, everybody thinks, well, maybe that, that might you, be true. You know, the yeah.
3: other reason why it's stuck, though, which by the way, the bird of the thing is dumb. We all agree the bird of the thing is dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, by he, we
2: all, you mean all of us except the president. who is
3: like the loudest proponent of it. The other reason why it's stuck is because it was a totally cooked up, contrived narrative pushed on every single medium. And and I think mm. we're not giving that enough credit. Yeah. It, it actually That's reminds cool. me of the Michael Jackson documentary, that <laughs> leaving Neverland thing on HBO. Yeah. How for so long did we, we saw this guy sleeping in beds with children for a long period of time, and we said, no, it couldn't be. And it's celebrity. You had government celebrities at the DOJ and the FBI telling us this guy was working with Russia. You had political celebrities, electeds, mm. Hillary Clinton, all of, Adam Schiff, all of these people, and you had news celebrities wearing ties with nice combed hair and makeup, saying night after night, for 791 consecutive days, an average of three minutes a night, that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians. The, and it was a, a total lie. It was a total empire of lies, to use your <laughs> phrase. Yeah. But I, that's part of it, and that's not Donald Trump's fault, and it's not the fault of a guy who had a weird tabloid So, so I, I want to Talk a little bit more about Trump's
2: attitude toward Russia during the election, which I do think is a factor in this. but you you just raised something really interesting that I had not previously considered, uh, which is that before Barack Obama, the government was not an organization that was trusted by the media.
1: Mm.
2: One of the massive changes that happened during the Obama administration is that that you could have political celebrities who had sort of Cache. cachet cachet. Yeah has that ever existed before i mean even when clinton was president was it the case that it,
0: it, had, i've that, never well, seen
5: i've never seen well, a news media defend the intelligence community well, from people is, from doubters you know, that the, was one of the most this, shocking this is what i was about to say is
0: that this may be in many ways the most damaging scandal in modern American history, bigger than the WMD thing. Mm-hmm. the WMD yeah. thing, people said Bush lied, Bush did not lie. No, the entire the, intelligence community, everywhere on earth, and the media, and the, media, earth, and, the media yeah. and the Democrats, they all believed this stuff. And it right. turned out that Saddam Hussein was the one who was lying right. about his about his weapons capacity. And despite the fact that, the, again, a terrible thing the president has said, implying the president that Bush lied us into war and all of that, this one, the our institutions, the institutions that we are supposed to trust, Their institutional credibility was leveraged for this narrative. That's right. Mm -hmm. But It wasn't like they just reported what came out. They they, they leveraged the institution and key players in these institutions leveraged the institutional credibility in favor of these narratives. That's why I think that whatever he has to say about Brennan and Clapper and Comey is absolutely warranted because these are people who were were leading our intelligence, Peter Strzok, these were people leading our intelligence agencies and they were going on national television night after night and suggesting they had secret knowledge because they led these intelligence agencies and they knew in a way that you didn't know. And Adam Schiff doing the same thing. I'm on the intelligence committee. I know in a way that you don't know. And and, and, And so when that collapses, how am I supposed to have faith in an intelligence community when people are legitimately using my trust Against my and, trust. And, and, I mean, by it's, it's and,
5: and by the same token, this is the same news uh, uh, media that told us, oh, you have to love us because we're the ones who f- ferret out the flaws of power. Right. And th- democracy they were dies you, in darkness. Democracy dies crap. in darkness. And here they were saying, what do you mean? You don't, you don't trust the CIA? No, I don't trust the CIA. <laughs> fact, I, don't, I don't, don't trust the NSA. Yeah. They were spying on me. You know, why should I? The, the idea of the press after Watergate, the press since Watergate, Suddenly coming out and defending our institutions, and then the institutions turning out to be, in fact, corrupt. I mean, this is the thing. Every time I see Carl Bernstein, I think you have become what you beheld. You became the mm-hmm. thing that you exposed. You are, you are now Richard Nixon, and that's an amazing irony, and it's an amazing uh, truth that's been kind of right beneath the surface for a long time. I mean,
0: and, and the media cannot accept what's happened. No, I mean, if you watch, they're by writing break, articles they know, about how they yeah. still did a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah. How we really, we really just went yeah. after the news. That, that note from Jeff Zucker. Oh, where, wow. he, where he suggested... We're not investigators. <laughs> we just report what comes across our desk. Really? Is that what you were doing? It's
5: like Dr. Strange. Really? Well, uh, you, you can't mean, do news you mean, in here. There's a CNN. Like, yeah. you,
0: you mean the chirons with the parentheses editorials? Yeah. I mean, what I want is a Chiron on CNN that says, Trump-Russia collusion proved wrong. And then in parentheses, and we failed. <laughs> right? Because that, that is the reality. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Here.
5: And you know, by the way, uh, a news media that's 90% Democrat at the editorial level is corrupt per se. It, you cannot right. be, that this whole argument that they always say, well, I can be a Democrat and still be fair. One person can be a Democrat and still be fair. A room full of Democrats can't be fair. And the f- idea that they have allowed the news media to become that, a spokesperson, basically, a spokesman arm for when the, the When the
2: Lear Center gives the, Excellence in Journalism Award to CNN
0: for the uh, Parkland. Town hall, the Parkland town. It's the most egregious amazing. single media event so I've seen out in ten ranges. years. And,
5: yeah, and, and right. the NAACP, by the way, just nominated uh, Jesse Smollett for an Image, <laughs> an image Award, amazing. making me wonder. Yeah, his image is good. But
3: they should <laughs> nominate his two Nigerian attackers. I think
5: they should <laughs> get the image. Those, Those
2: guys fight. who are in <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We were in whiteface. then. So, so, so la- last question on this topic, Michael. For you, why? Why? I mean, why are you asking? I think his his position will be the most interesting on this question. Why is, why was Donald Trump so up Putin's ass (laughs) for the entirety of the election? The only thing that Trump was completely consistent about, never equivocated for even a moment in 2016 during the election, was that he respects Vladimir Putin, we're just like uh, Putin's Russia. I mean, you could not get the guy... Yeah, well, uh, no, there, there uh, are plenty. Of, first
3: of all, he was much less up Putin than Barack Obama was when he said, I have more flexibility after my election to Medvedev. No, no,
2: I, I don't agree with that. I mean, he was, B- oh, he Barack was Obama, offering strategic Barack Obama Trump
3: literally Trump. colluded
2: with him. That's the right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right, that's
1: right.
3: But the question is,
2: why was, why Trump, was Trump a, a Putin sycophant I'll, during the election? I'll
3: tell you exactly why. Because, one, his view of politics is much more realpolitik, to, for lack of a better term. Mm. His view of politics is not terribly idealistic, or in, uh, inspirational or aspirational it is pretty brutal and it's pretty new york he also talks like a new yorker so he tells jokes such as hey what do you think do you think the russians are hacking the the emails of hillary clinton i don't know I but we so. can't find them so i sure hope they release them <laughs> so in but the fi- in
2: yeah. the final analysis it can only be that donald trump did not believe he was going to be president and was buttering up putin so that he could build condos in <laughs> no, moscow I, I don't think or that, yeah it's that Donald Trump's view of politics is yes. you
3: flatter strong men, you never criticize well, strong Well, not, not that. He all, you'll notice with Donald Trump, he only attacks people who attack him first. The classic mm-hmm. example, okay, this, this, is is a, is this is Rosie is the, O'Donnell. This is
0: the real answer. Yeah. Okay, so all of your intellectualization crap is just intellectual, <laughs> intellectual he doesn't, he doesn't have any real politic view of anything. He, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't know how to spell real policy. He thinks that it has a C and a K. Idea, but it's a, but it's for a <laughs> dummy, he did a pretty good job. He got himself elected. You know, okay. Don't, well. get, don't give me that. Credit. <laughs> okay, like, seriously. Like, have you seen Congress? All these people got themselves elected. They have a collective IQ lower than the than the IQ of this that's table. True. That's true. But funny. is it? But that's the that's actually the best answer to that question ever. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but no, the real answer yeah. is that Donald Trump loves people who flatter him, and he hates people who do not. He has done this with Kim Jong Un. Okay, it's not unique to mm. to any of these people and everybody knows this which is why which is why even Justin Trudeau tried to flatter him for a little while and then as soon as Justin Trudeau hit him suddenly Donald Trump went from "I love Justin Trudeau" to "Justin Trudeau is Satan."
5: He's <laughs> but, just handsome but Satan. But hasn't everybody fallen for Putin? I mean, didn't Obama? Didn't George yeah, W. George Bush... Yeah, George W. Bush I mean, guy, said I saw the his soul. A, the guy is a gangster. Putin is Al Capone running a country. That's who he is. Well, he's he one president after another. You know, honestly, I think I see he's, his heart. I see I he's the yeah. no. This is
0: he is the constant temptation, Putin, because what Putin does is he's like, well, if you could somehow get me, then the world would be at peace because yeah, yeah, we'd right. be allied and you'd be allied and everything would be yeah. great and everybody is thinking back to the end of the Cold War and they're thinking, it's so true. If we yeah. could finally be on the same yeah. side. I can't believe then, he's
5: as bad as he is.
0: Plus those contracts. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is that nobody in, in modern politics understands that Vladimir Putin is not a modern political leader. That's right. Vladimir Putin right. is a thug. circa 1946. if yep. Vladimir Putin, it, the guy has invaded two separate countries <laughs> yep. in the last decade. <laughs> yep. Yep. Right? There's no one else on earth who has invaded a country right. in the last decade, at least in the in the industrialized world. That's he's true. invaded two of them, and he's right. gotten
2: away with it both times. We, no, we, we invaded deal. some he's, countries, yeah. but not uh, not to annex their
0: territory. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, yeah. he legitimately tried to annex both Georgia and and Crimea. Yep. And an and accomplished no, he's he's he's
5: the real deal. He's yeah. a real bad guy. Yeah. So
0: Bravo
2: Company Manufacturing, if we were going to invade another country <laughs> for the purpose of annexation,
0: <laughs> you would want these guys by your side, right? More importantly, if you wanted to protect yourself from, oh, I mean, yeah. let's yeah. be better about this. If, if we were invaded, you'd want Bravo Company Manufacturing well, you than, on your yeah. side. Well done. Huh? Yeah, you know, we're all we're all on the same side when it comes to defending our right to bear arms and here, here. All, all the other rights that we have are defended by that right to bear arms. We all in this room believe in that principle. I obviously believe in that principle. Piers Morgan doesn't believe in that principle, but you know who does. <laughs> Bravo Company Manufacturing. BCM was started in a garage by a Marine veteran more than two decades ago. To build a professional-grade product that meets combat standards, BCM believes the same level of protection should be provided to every American, regardless of whether they're a private citizen or a professional. BCM is not a sporting arms company. They design, they engineer, they manufacture life-saving equipment. They assume that every rifle that leaves the shop will be used in a life-or-death situation by a responsible citizen, law enforcement officer, or a soldier overseas. Every component of a BCM rifle is hand-assembled and tested by Americans, To a life-saving standard, they feel a moral responsibility at Bravo Company Manufacturing to provide tools that will not fail the user when it's not just a paper target, but somebody who's actually coming to do you harm. To learn more about Bravo Company Manufacturing, head on over to bravocompanymfg.com. You can discover more about their product's special offers. Upcoming news, that's bravocompanymfg.com. We love this company. They're really (laughs) terrific. They do terrific work founded by great folks. Need more convincing? Find out even more about BCM and the amazing people who make their products at youtube.com company USA. That is youtube.com company USA. Go check them out. Great American company. What I love most about some, so many of our sponsors, Bravo Company is, is a great example of it.
2: Uh, our friends at Black Rifle Coffee who were here with They're us uh, visiting yesterday is that they just own what they are. They're unapologetic yeah. uh, about what they are, who they serve, uh, and why. Yep. And you... Yeah, you know, in today's uh, that's age, a that's, a, that's yeah. a pretty good thing. Alicia, we want to hear from some of our Daily Wire subscribers. They're the reason that we are here today and able to afford all these fancy cameras. Do you have anything for us?
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to unapologetically drink this pina colada. No, I'm kidding. It's a virgin. Too bad. All right, <laughs> we do have some questions. I, mean, I think
2: I think it's pretty funny when uh, the pregnant lady is seen drinking on camera, <laughs> because because you know we're a traditional company, a
1: family
4: value. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you guys would all probably be the ones like in the cigar, like in the waiting room while your wife is in labor with the cigar in the oh,
0: waiting yeah. room. Nice oh darn! That is untrue. I watched my wife give birth both times. So so did I. <laughs> well, times. because, oh. because that's, that's pretty great. That's, by it's great. It was it's fantastic, fantastic, it's unbelievable yeah. for me. Yeah, well, I mean. I didn't have to do it. it, looked, it
5: looked, <laughs> no, but one of the great experiences.
0: It was amazing.
4: I just yeah. want to be there when Knowles' wife eventually. Well, I got to tell you, I, d- I don't
3: know any of my children, but I assume I was smoking a cigar <laughs> while they were being born. So. Statistically. Statistically speaking, that's almost a
5: certain thing. There's
4: going to be a Netflix documentary about Michael Knowles and all of his illegitimate children in like 10 years. Didn't,
5: why didn't we know? We knew. <laughs> he was we, right he was, in front of was us. He it we on the show. It, you know. Leaving backstage. <laughs> yeah.
4: with Michael oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. First question comes from Lance. He wants to know, do you think that Trump has pushed conservatives towards a big government mentality? And why aren't we seeing Democrats turn away from a big government mentality when they say Trump has too much power?
5: I I do not think that uh, Trump has pushed conservatives toward a bigger government mentality. I think he has dialed back government in very uh, important ways, especially in the regulatory way, which is one of the worst. He's appointed judges who seem more uh, inclined to limit the powers of government to those enumerated in the Constitution or something like. The one thing he has done, has, has not done, which is really a problem, is that he has not addressed Addressed entitlement and spending, and entitlements and spending are basically the same thing. And he has pr- he promised the people. He knows the people are dependent on that. He knows the people in the Midwest who lost so many jobs uh, in the last administration the min- and the end of the administration before. He knows they need that stuff, and so he will not come out and say. Look, these, these social security was put in place when people died at 63, it kicked in at 65. When you live to 80, you gotta work longer to make more wealth to live off in your retirement. It's true for individuals, true for the country, and that's the only thing, the only way in which I feel he's let the government get out of control.
0: Um, I think that the key here is that the government was already out of control when Trump got there. Well, well, right. I think yeah. everybody starts to think that the world began to spin when Trump became president. Mm-hmm. It's like when people look at the 1996 Australia gun ban. They say, oh, look how the murder rate went down after that. And it's like, yeah, look before that, how the murder rate was going down. It's a straight line. It continues in the same direction right. after the gun ban, so there's no actual market effect. The direction of the government was already getting bigger before Trump got there. Trump got there, he didn't make it any smaller. It continues to grow at record rates because Republicans are effectively full of crap when it comes to spending. Well, that's and really, this has yeah. been true forever. And also, mm-hmm. you can't get a consensus on cutting anything because the American people lie to ourselves all the time. We're always like, we want a small government with fewer services. And then they're like, okay, how about this one? Like, no.
5: Bill Maher is right about this. Bill Maher says Americans like socialism. And my answer to that is they like opiates, too. Just because they like it doesn't mean it's good for you, you know? <laughs> well, we,
0: we like socialism without the cost.
5: Right. right? We, they, like that's what, they, whenever they pull yeah.
0: Medicare for all, it's like, yeah. yeah. And then they're like, well, we're going to get rid of your private health care plan and your taxes are going to be 60%. And we're like, oh, wow. Well, yeah. Actually, Yikes. we're kind of good. Like, <laughs> we're, we're okay. We're kind of yeah. good. The, I mean, the, the last Republican
3: president to cut spending was... Calvin Coolidge. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody has done it. Reagan didn't do it. Bush one didn't do it. Bush two didn't do it. So conservatives have embraced their bigger uh, spending priorities for a very long time. But I actually think even with the tariffs, which many Republican presidents have engaged in tariffs, many conservatives have, have liked tariffs. So Going back to Abraham Lincoln, I think he's actually a fairly mainstream conservative guy, at least in his governance. Who knows he about his policy. ideology? That's right. and, and,
5: yeah. and he also, he also is, is pretty restrained when it comes to constitutional governance. He waits for the courts to make decisions. He's never <laughs> done, I mean, he's done some of the executive order stuff that uh, Obama did, but not anywhere near as badly and not in the same kinds of context. He's actually, for all the screaming about what an authoritarian he is. No, he hasn't, he hasn't covered, fundamentally broken the institutions He's within oh, right. the lines, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's right.
5: Alicia.
4: All right, I think I know who this subscriber is. This question comes from Laurel. She wants to know, is it realistic to try to become an artist these days or is it a foolish thing to pursue?
2: Michael, I think we better let you take this.
3: (laughs) Hey, Laurel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would say, and if if you're the Laurel I'm thinking of, then you're a wonderful artist. You might have seen on Twitter, uh, one of the Daily Wire viewers, Laurel, paints these pictures of us and they're beautiful pictures you can be a very good artist I will if, speak, by the way if you're not the laurel that we think you are then well that's a coincidence that's yeah. really yeah gosh who are you I will I think it's important for me to answer this question rather than say like drew you know because Drew's a very very successful <laughs> artist who's yeah, made a lot of money on his it's, art it's an illusion yeah. and I yeah. think I've made about seventeen dollars <laughs> in my artistic life um, I, I think it's a wonderful thing to do though if if you want to Be an artist, if you have something to say, if you have uh, some artistic expression, you should do it. You shouldn't ruin your life because of it. You shouldn't allow your life to fall apart and sit around waiting for the phone to ring or some magic to happen. You should be out there. You were always working a zillion jobs while you were writing your early novels, I think. Yes, no,
5: no, but I mean, my answer to this question is always if you can do anything else. Do it. Do it, If if you're like me and you can't, you literally can't stop. Then you're an artist and you have to find a way to make a living. Yeah. You know, that's that's the answer. Yeah.
0: But I will say that the romance of poverty does not apply to people actually in poverty. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And there's this whole oh, thing no, with the starving artist pauper and it's like
5: bull. You know, the the, gra- the greatest yeah. art of its time is usually the art that makes the most money. When when people when poetry was at its height in England during the Romantic period, Keats, Wordsworth, Shelley, all those great poets. You got famous if you got a bit best-selling poem, you know. Got so that, it. That's, that's not true now.
0: Cardi <laughs> B is the greatest art
3: of our time. <laughs> the other point on these—the other point on these famous artists, like really the ones we think, T.S. Eliot, Chekhov, Wallace Stevens—I'm talking about poets, Dana Joya. These yeah. guys all were working jobs and yeah, taking care of jobs. their families. Good right. jobs. Insurance salesmen, doctors, all yeah. these sort of things. They were doing it, and I so agree. I, I have a lot of actor friends who are really good, who are really talented actors, and they're making $17 a hit doing off-off Broadway theater, and they're living in misery, and they don't yeah. need to live in misery. they They could... Actually, do something productive. They with could her time learn as well. to code. They could well, learn to code. code. Exactly. Now our show is going to get kicked out. Exactly.
2: One thing interesting about the laurel that we know, though, is she may be specifically talking about visual art, which is something that none of the four of us have a lot of no. uh, of experience with. But I do have one thought about it, which is we live in an age where uh, we basically have embraced the literal. So if you think about uh, a, a film, is more literal than a play. Right, and a YouTube video is more literal than a film, and so everything, all the trend, a photograph is more literal than a painting. Than a painting, so all art in the modern age moves towards literalism, and the problem with literalism uh, is that it's, you know, it leaves someone like Laurel, the Laurel we know anyway, in a in a place where it would probably be very difficult to understand how. What is the role of visual artistic expression, you know, painting, drawing, in a world that has so embraced more literal yeah. forms yeah. is is there a place for a painter is there a place for uh, a, a sketch artist it's, in today's it, it, it society. It may be
5: a dated, you know, impressionism comes in as photography comes in, and it may be, mm. a, in fact, mm. a dated form. That doesn't mean that no great artist will ever come along, just like there are great playwrights, even though the theater's no longer our main f- form of talking to one another. I mean, I
0: think there's but, great but, art being made in the digital space.
5: I th- well, that's what I was going to say. In the digital space, they, it's di- unbelievable. Some of, some of the video games and the fact that you can enter mm. into those worlds as you play, that's something new, and I've never I, seen it before and it's brilliant.
0: Did you see this, there's this, this new Netflix series, and it's not all good, there's something that's called Love, Death, and Robots. No. And it was made by, it's made by David Fincher. Oh, yeah. And it's, a lot of it is just different types of animation. Hmm. And it doesn't all work. But it's like these little 10 minute snippets. He just decided we're gonna make the series and we're not gonna make it half an hour long. All these things are eight to 10 minutes. Oh. Yeah. And it's, re- it's, it's all different types of art and the art is just astonishing. It great. is. It's amazing. It's, it's really it, and the
5: experience of playing a game, I mean, we've talked about this before, but the experience of playing a game is so immersive yeah. that you get that thing that you used to have to use your they're, imagination for. There's still great for. art. I mean, yeah.
0: Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is a piece of art.
5: Into yeah. the
0: Spider-Verse is a beautiful piece and of art. And maybe this is part of the answer
2: for someone like Laurel, is that you have to find a modern application for those yeah. sort of antiquated skills, and that could be in the form of animation. We have great illustrators and animators who work for us. It could be uh, some sort of graphic design for which there's a, a huge home. It could be video game uh, design for which there's, I mean, it's bigger than Hollywood, one of the biggest markets. But I do think you know, art has always been subsidized by the wealthy. This is correct. Even correct. even in America, art is, yeah, is that's, that's ultimately right. subsidized by the wealthy, uh, but you do have to find the place where the wealthy are willing to exploit it, where they're willing to subsidize it. And so part of it is
0: finding some application for your... There's nothing artistic about rejecting the reality of the world.
4: Yeah. So like there, there's this There's,
0: this, some, so there's this thing I see among young artists, particularly people who are actors who have scripts and are working at Coffee Bean, where it's like, if only the world were fair. If only there were a market <laughs> for this thing that <laughs> yeah. I'm doing. And it's like, well, yeah. no. the, the, the unhappiest people in the world are the people who argue with fundamental realities yep. that they cannot control. No, that's yeah, true. Why te- it's why teachers always get so bent out of shape about their pay,
2: right? They're always like, you know, teachers should make more than Congress people, And I always think... Well, I mean, there's only you know 435 Congress people in the country. Like they, you know, they, they got themselves elected to something unique and special. You break I'm, the teachers' unions, and then you get paid. A yeah. lot. And then you get paid a lot more. But it is this thing of like, teachers have never gotten paid more than this. When you decided to pursue becoming a mm-hmm. teacher, you, you there was an understanding of what the reality. Maybe it's fair. Maybe it's. I think it's fair. Maybe you think it's not fair, but it is. And, and it, one of the great lessons that you helped me learn in my own career as a young artist who wasn't making any money—I was once young, and I once <laughs> didn't make any money. <laughs> uh, and Ben helped me understand it. It is not there is no pathway to a happy life. Peeing into the wind. Yeah. Well, and, well, and the answer isn't yeah. that you have to stop peeing; it's that you have to turn around.
5: Well, it, but it's also, it also you beautiful. Know, <laughs> you know, every, every, it's good advice. It is, is my life. But, but everything is a choice. Everything is a choice. You know, we live in a city. Where some handsome Dan who's never done a thing for anybody can get paid a quarter of a million dollars a week pretending to be a police officer who risks his life, right? <laughs> yeah. Where if you're a police officer, pretending you make me a man 000. who was
0: victimized by a
5: racial <laughs> <police> in Chicago. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. but, but if you, if you are a poli- an actual police officer actually helping people and risking your life, you make what Jesse Smollett makes a, a week. In a year. And that's so right. you just have to make, say, this is the choice I'm making. That's the choice. But you can't say, oh, I should be paid more. Right. You say, this is the choice I made mm-hmm. because I love helping people, because I love getting shot at and treated badly by the press. And, and, that, <laughs> and, that's, and that's what I'm committed to. Racing of, into, <laughs> racing that's, into that's buildings next that are LAPD on PDR or, or, or putting up with kids. That, I mean, really, that, teacher,
2: teachers that, do do a heroic. Uh, yeah. I don't
0: want to sound like I'm down on teachers. I just, mostly I just want to clip that and we can use it in the LAPD press release. <laughs> 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 Alicia, one more question.
4: I'm still really bummed that y'all were knocking Cardi B. I mean, everyone knows that she just makes money moves.
0: That's so. true. She does make money moves by drugging men and then, yeah. and then robbing men. Hey, that hey, works, right? She didn't,
4: you know, she didn't have to specify in that song how she made money moves. You know? yeah. Yeah, that's but right. then, then right. later she, also, she did, and that was great. Yeah. And she does that, like, thing. I don't know how she does it. I really want to master it, though, and it just annoy the heck out of Ben when I do it.
0: I don't even know. If you want to know how she got to know how to do that, Elisha, <laughs> so I, I, would, I would really Elisha, the
4: question. For God's sakes, <laughs> Elisha. God. Sam, I'm going down the wrong path. Sam wants to know, will the left's newfound anti-Semitism really alienate left-leaning Jews considering that many are already reform or secular and will likely favor their political identity over their religious identity? Well, I
0: think the only person allowed to answer yes. that question is the Yes, let's hear Why, hello. <laughs> 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 so the answer is, as always, that Jews who care about Judaism are going to be offended by this and Jews who do not care about Judaism are not going to be offended by this because they don't care about Judaism. This is like saying, will Maisie Hirono's anti-Catholic rhetoric alienate Catholics? And the answer is, if you're a practicing Catholic, yes it will. (laughs) And if you're not a practicing Catholic, you won't give two dams about it. And this is true for Jews also. Mm -hmm. There's this weird thing in the press because many members of the press are secular Jews who still have cultural affiliation with Jewishness, which means, They have a bagel once in a while. They like matzo ball soup. They've seen Fiddle Around the Roof like three times, (laughs) maybe even a fourth time. And then they they go to a synagogue like once a year, maybe, and then they break for lunch on Yom Kippur. And it's like, well, now I'm Jewish because I'm not a white person. I'm a Jewish person. And it allows them a certain level of minority status. And that's what they care about in Judaism. That's not Jewishness, right? No. That's 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 cultural Jewishness, sort of, but it's not really anything related to the Jewish religion or Jewish principles. You would or say it's Torah. It's or, Jewish. Or, I, would right, it's, Jewish. I, I would say culturally Jewish, but not religiously Jewish in any sense. And then the media poll people by ethnic Judaism, which again makes no sense because there are plenty of people. Noam Chomsky's an ethnic Jew. He's also a piece of crap. So like why why would I Bernie Sanders is an ethnic Jew? What does he care about Judaism? He's an open militant atheist who hates Israel, and thinks that the Bible is antiquated. Like, why, right. why would I pull him? So my answer is the people who care about principles that Judaism stands for are going to be offended by this. That's I think right. there'll be main, there, there's a group of older Jews particularly, people who are above the age of 60, who have historically voted Democrat, who still care about the state of Israel, who still care about going to synagogue, even if it's conservative or reform, and they will be offended, and you'll see a little bit of drop off there. Yeah. But young Jews who don't have any affiliation Aren't religious? Like, I, I'm, ask, honestly, I'm so bewildered why people would think it would be any different. Yeah, this can question I, is I so
2: bewildering. Whenever, whenever anybody asks me a question about why do the Jews vote Democrat, I say they don't. Right. Yeah, and The,
5: that's the that's Orthodox
0: right. Jews vote 70, 30, or 80, 20 Republican. A yeah. follow-up
5: question. Yeah. Slice, toast sliced bagels, yes or no? <laughs> what right. the F was that? <laughs> <laughs>
0: what was that? Did you
1: see that? Is the
0: bagel, they sliced it vertically?
5: I mean, my, my feeling is... My yeah, feeling hell is kind of you, is you, you can I go, nonsense is this. You can't do a bagel wrong, so it, it's not terrible. But where do you put all the locks <laughs> and the <laughs> yeah, no, scallion
2: like, cream cheese? Yeah. Where do you put that hey, on guys, a sliced... You want to know something true? Yeah. It is absolutely 100% true. I'm from Texas. I have never had a bagel. Oh, my what?
0: Lord. Mm. I don't, is, how are you my business partner? <laughs> I'm okay, pretty so sure that I made show. it 30 years before I met anyone so, who had yeah.
1: had a okay, <laughs> okay,
0: so, okay, I'm going to tell everybody in L.A., best bagels, they are kosher. Western bagel, they have a factory yep. on Sepulveda they Boulevard. You go, they bake them fresh. So they take them out of the fat. they put them in the window. They are the best bagels in the history of mankind. So no. after oh, all no, this... no, no,
5: best bagels in the history of mankind. are in New York. They are in New York. No, they are. They have Have you had Western bagels though? Yes. they, are, real, they are. No, really I got solid. them. You recommend them. I got them. But New York bagels are another planet. They, they really are. I don't
0: yeah. know. Do you like the doughy, or you like more of like? I like the big
5: doughy ones. Okay.
2: Plus people from New York don't know that there is anything outside of New York. It's <laughs> the famous New Yorker cover, right? It's the best New Yorker cover ever. Where it that was the, the New, New Yorker York. the New
0: Yorker's view of the United States. Yes. And it's just at the in the foreground you see New York and then you just see Chicago and LA and there's nothing. all of the, and the Japan, United States yes,
2: is Japan three is inches wide. Distance, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> If you want to sit in on this riveting conversation, maybe and dive secondhand lung smoke like fitness, is, you could become an annual subscriber during tonight's live stream, and you will automatically, automatically be entered to win a free trip to LA, where you will get to watch a future taping of Backstage in person. And this is a true story, so we did this last week, we and we are proud of ourselves. We are like, hey guys, wouldn't it be cool uh, if we you know, found a fan out there who signs up during the podcast and during the live broadcast, and we will... We will whatever it costs. We will fly them to LA. We will put them up in a hotel, and we will let them sit in uh, on a live taping of backstage. And so then after the show, uh, all the there's this uh, uh, random number generator system that we use, and we pull up the number, and we look, and the winner lives 48 miles <laughs>
3: <laughs> from our
2: studio. Best value yeah. <laughs> Any prize ever. True fiscal
3: <laughs> conservatives. True yeah. fiscal
2: conservatives we are. You and a guest will be on set for the show and will get to meet us all afterward. Can you imagine anybody wanting
0: this prize? No. This is not...
5: <laughs> People Again, are unsubscribing. We'll
0: pawn this off on some poor sucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who decides this is a thing. Go to dailywire.com
2: right now if you're watching the live broadcast. Become an annual subscriber to be automatically entered for a chance to win. Plus, when you become an annual subscriber, you'll get the world-famous leftist tears, hot or cold, tumbler. Everybody wants it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You ever you, you ever meet anybody on the street and they're like, Hey Michael, can you hook me up with one of those Liptister's like, tumblers? And you're like, no, I can't. I grow. literally can't. By grow. the way, the
3: thing is though, this week as we pitch this, the thing is everybody watching is already a subscriber because if they don't have the Tumblr, then they have long since drowned in the news cycle. They are <laughs> gone, dead <laughs> and
2: gone. There were no
0: survivors. There were none. We so we'll talk let's about talk about New another Deal. one of the
2: great stories Please. of the week. Yeah. So we can we talk
0: about the Green New Deal thing? Is the Aww. best. <laughs> cocaine Mitch. Oh, I mean, you got to hand it to Mitch. on, Hang on.
2: to Mitch. To, to Mitch. Mitch. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, use the. <laughs> Tumble for this one. Yes. I mean, oh yeah, Mitch <laughs> Escobar <laughs> McConnell. Yep.
2: unbelievable. So you, you undoubtedly you know the story. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, cocaine, wh- whom we must refer to as Alexandria Ocasio Cortez or AOC, and not as Cortez. Which no, no, would be no in so fresh, so face. So fresh, <laughs> so face. Uh, AOC comes up with this. Piece of legislation called the Green New Deal. She writes it, it. She writes it herself. It basically outlaws cow farts and everything, mm-hmm. literally all things plus cow farts, <laughs> and costs ninety three trillion dollars. <laughs> uh, and then they start berating the right for saying that it's a ridiculous piece of legislation. It, they say this is our World War II. This is WW Two. Mm-hmm. We're fighting the Nazis. And we have to put everything we have. The world will end within twelve in years. In twelve years. So this week, Mitch McConnell thinks for for a laugh, and <laughs> just to make our week even better, he thinks well, let's give him a chance to vote on the Green New Deal. He brings it to the floor of the Senate. But by the way, all of the Senate Democrats who are currently running for president co-sponsor the it. legislation. Twelve co-sponsors. Every one of them running for president. How many of them voted, Michael, for the Green New Deal? Uh,
3: hold on, let me carry the Senate. But, uh, and none, zero.
2: None no Senate Democrats
3: voted for the Green New Deal.
2: The best part of the story, though, is that AOC gets asked on Twitter, why didn't the Senate Democrats try to save the world? You've condemned us to die. And AOC's react- answer was, because I encourage them not to vote for yeah, it. Right. She's the boss. Right. She, that's, she, she that's, that's said that's she encouraged
0: that. them to vote present. That's that's hope, right? and, like,
5: and that's how senators make their decision when they, the congresswoman when first Queens.
0: term. <laughs> and all I could think is, why has she condemned us all to die <laughs> <laughs> in <laughs> 12 years? No, no, I, mean, no, was so, I, I was assured so by the press, it was, it was not only important, it was deeply popular, I was told. Yeah, that's I was correct. told that this was popular, particularly among the youngins, that they love nothing but having air travel banned and every building in the United States retrofitted or destroyed. That they were into all of those things. And every single Democrat voted present except for four who voted against. Right. Right? Yeah. Those are the ones in the red states. That was Manchin and Doug Jones and Kristen Cinema, and then Angus King up in Maine, who's an independent but is a Democrat. And the and the best reaction was the reaction afterward. Because afterward, they were all like, can't believe the Republicans pulled this stunt. We wanted to hold we wanted to hold debate on this. Like, well, but the purpose of debate for legislation usually is to get to, get to, get to, it the, to the vote. To <laughs> get to the vote. And you guys were all like. No, you know, we, we can't vote for this. Sorry. We, we just don't want to be associated. You know, it's it's a little bit much. It's a also, little
5: much. A- Alexandria, I call her occasional cortex, but Alexandria made a speech afterwards that was pure word salad. She was mm-hmm. talking about Flint, Michigan, where this Democrat town poured, <laughs> took the water out of the river and killed people with it, while the Republicans were saying, don't do that, don't do that. What does that have to do with climate change? It my, has
0: nothing to do with climate change. My favorite change. thing was, have you seen the polls on her? They're brutal. Mm -hmm. I mean, people do not like her. Trump is more popular in New York than she is. It it turns out that that after all this media coverage, after putting her on the cover of Time Magazine, Um, after treating her as though she is the face of the new Democratic Party, the more people see her, the more they dislike her. Because when you see her at the beginning, you're like, oh, she's enthusiastic and kind of fun. And then you listen to the things coming out of her face and you're like, these are bad things that come out yeah, of your face. But she's also mean.
5: She's not a nice person. I mean, no. she really well, is. Well, right? you see
0: this about Ilhan Omar also. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, um, I, mean, Ilhan Omar is just a nasty. Well, she's she's just a, just a nasty. Story. Story. She's especially
5: yeah, yeah. mean to guys like you. Yeah, right? she, <laughs> she like yeah. Something about you she doesn't like. Yeah. I'm not sure what it is. Guys, something. it's just that he's a supporter of Israel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's her only problem. This was one of the great moments. And then Mike Lee getting up on the floor oh, of the Senate. That
5: was, he was. He, it was magnificent. He deserves some kind of award. Oh, it was
0: so great. Because for those who didn't see, you should go watch it. He did a basically a Bob Newhart routine. He got up there with a, and he's very low key, Mike Lee. Right. He's he's a very serious guy. He was considered pretty seriously for the Supreme Court for the last for the last vacancy, and he gets up there with a picture of Ronald Reagan riding a Velociraptor <laughs> while firing a machine gun with an RPG strapped to his back, <laughs> and gives an entire disquisition describing the immense patriotism of the Velociraptor, the velociraptor that is holding <laughs> the flag, in its tattered the tattered flag. And, and then he says, this has as much to do with the Green New Deal <laughs> as the Green New Deal has to do with stopping climate change. <laughs> yeah. And then the press does what the press do. And this is why the common theme of Donald Trump's presidency, and it is why he is president and it pre-existed Trump and it will post-exist Trump. We hate the media. Yep. And we deserve and to they hate deserve the media. It. They because it, yeah. they are sheer, freaking, burning, flaming <laughs> piles of garbage. Absolutely. The, way, the way that they covered the Mike Lee thing was such evidence of intellectual dishonesty Like, I will acknowledge that Stephen Colbert is a comedian, and he was doing jokes. And I will acknowledge that Jon Stewart, who I really dislike, is doing jokes. I will acknowledge all of that. But he's doing an obvious riff, Mike Lee. It's obviously a joke. He's obviously making fun of the stupidity of a a bill so bad, not a single Democrat voted in favor of it. And the headlines were, Mike Lee makes bizarre attack on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez using silly painting. It's like... That's called
5: a comedy routine. Yeah, and it was was genuinely funny, which is really rare in government. I mean, he was just funny.
2: I wish that Senator Ted Cruz, hashtag the only senator I know, (laughs) would have have gotten up uh, during his remarks, and just spread Green Eggs and Ham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, would it would have, have made it such the perfect a perfect week for me. <laughs> <I know. laughs>
5: it's pretty close to a perfect week. It is a really good week. This is this is well, yeah, and since since Kavanaugh, I've not been this. Guys, I, even
3: on the Green New Deal, we should. This story went unreported, but it happened during the throws. It actually
0: happened on the greatest day ever when you you were out. You were you know getting. Medical I was having treatment. propofol, and well, we, <laughs> we missed one of these, right? Because mm-hmm. we, well, I was having so I go in to get an endoscopy because. I have esophagitis, which is this weird esophageal thing. And I, I go in, and I get drugged. And, I, and as, I, as I come out of my drug-induced coma, I read that Michael Avenatti has been arrested. Oh, yeah. And I, I thought to myself, this can't be happening. Like, I, like, <laughs> on ridiculous. the same day they released the Mueller report, Michael he's... Avenatti has been arrested for running the stupidest scam in legitimately all of human history. Great and really on, happen, right? <laughs> he's getting dunked on by Stormy Daniels Right, who's saying, yeah, he was a crappy. Who's a crappy lawyer. And I, I legitimately woke up and I thought, like Michael Jackson, I died of a propofol. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on and here. And don't
3: forget, it's not, so Avenatti, who was on CNN and MSNBC 108 times between last March and last May. 108, 108 times. 108 times. Avenatti goes down, frequent CNN guest. His co-conspirator is Mark Garagos, <laughs> Mark the does. CNN legal analyst. He goes down in the scheme. And then I'm reading, I'm literally just reading the news as I'm on the air. And I see... This little underreported story, the world's fastest melting glacier, we're getting ready for the Green New Deal vote, the world's fastest melting glacier on Monday stopped melting and
1: started gaining ice. Global warming itself ended this week. It's
2: like Franklin Graham from the president's inauguration. Mr. President, God has blessed us with rain just as he started to speak. Mr. President, God... Stop global
5: warming <laughs> just as you are being you know, what I like the, you know what I love about the Michael Avenatti story though? You know, everything? They, they, yeah, they, everything, but they but they hit Trump on being associated with Michael Cohen, a fair hit. You shouldn't associate with guys like Michael Cohen. <laughs> right. is, he's a slime, right? True. But, but they associated with Michael Avenatti. They mm-hmm. love this guy. Bill Maher said, oh, he's Donald Trump's worst nightmare. If that's Donald Trump's worst nightmare, I'm the queen of Romania, that was, you know? By the way, that, that, that quote from him,
0: I mean, it was so perfect. The writers of the season are just... They're doing great work. <laughs> the, the, and, and they plant these clues, like, a season earlier, and then they come to fruition. I mean, it really, like, the real payoffs, yeah. right? He, like, goes on The View, and he says, all my fantasies involve handcuffs. Yeah. And then he ends up I, yeah, being yeah. arrested. I thought and, that And, he's, and he's, he's arrested for trying to bully Nike. Right, the company of Colin Kaepernick. Mm -hmm.
5: And he's trying to bully them. What is it also with these lawyers pretending to be gangsters? Say what you will about gangsters. They're gangsters. They're really (laughs) dangerous characters. When they threaten you, you're afraid, right? These guys come and say, Nike, I'm going to take you down. Oh, I'm going to tweet
0: Nike. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing about that. Michael Avenatti knows he can get on CNN. That's why he was able to do that, right? The the, the part of that story that Uh, is underreported is that when he says, I'll take your market cap down a billion dollars, what he means by that is I will go on CNN tonight, with all of my friends, like Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo. And I will talk very bad things about your company. Yeah. That's what he meant. And he knows he can do that and because Brian, he's on speed dial with the producers and at CNN. Brian
5: Stelter said to him, I, I take you seriously as a presidential candidate because you've been on cable news so much. That's what he said mm-hmm. to him. You know, so they, they build him up. They actually are talking about him as a presidential candidate. One thing you got to say about Trump, he never talked about Michael Cohen running for president. <laughs> the press did that with Michael Albinati.
2: Alicia, we want to hear from a few more of our Daily Wire subscribers. After all, they pay for my house. By going over to dailywire.com slash subscribe and becoming annual subscribers, you too can help me pay my mortgage. And if you do it, (laughs) during this broadcast, you will be entered automatically for a chance to win uh, a trip to L.A. uh, to, you know, sit in and... Watch us do whatever this thing no, is. What, what are we doing? So, Alicia, what are they? Uh, what are our subscribers asking us right oh, now?
4: Oh, I'm real glad you didn't ask me what are we doing because none of us have that answer. <laughs> no. <laughs> no <chance. laughs> Before we get to those awesome subscriber questions that make it possible for all of us to be stuck here, me and you know a non-smoke-filled room. So, thanks for that, guys. Uh, we do have our Facebook polling results. Turns out that people think that The Economist, uh, having to apologize to Ben and change their headline, got 7% of the vote about the craziest slash greatest Newsweek ever. Jesse Smollett comes in at 10%. The Green New Deal utterly failing and no Democrats voting for it Mm. came in at 23%. But of course, the Mueller report showing absolutely no collusion. You know, either Trump is a really super secret russian spy or he's really dumb. Democrats can't have it both ways. 60% of the people say that the Mueller report results showing no collusion with Russia is the story of the week. I can't yeah.
2: believe that uh, our Daily Wire uh, audience could be so wrong. <laughs> Clearly the economist mm-hmm. having to apologize to Ben today is the biggest news story of the week. This was the first thing I saw this morning. This bi- this it was trending on Twitter. It yep. was tr- it was trending on Twitter. Ben who writes a book about philosophy without his picture on the cover. So like a guaranteed three copies sold to your grandmother, <laughs> yeah. uh, each one autographed for her friends. Uh, ben made the num- New York Times number one best-selling book in the country uh, this week, unseating Michelle Obama, who's held on to that number one spot with her uh, becoming second place book. That's what I'm calling it. <laughs> <laughs> her becoming book. Uh, for the last and then The Economist does what I actually think of fairness was quite a
0: nice... The interview
2: was good. Yeah, the quite interview quite
5: nice was good. I
0: thought so
2: too. Yeah, man, the interview at all. And then, and then they, they tweet out the story today under the headline: uh, "You'll get it it was right. Ben Shapiro,
0: the alt-right sage without the rage."
5: Which is wrong in two ways, right?
1: Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised
0: you didn't say three, but yeah. I mean, that's, but, <laughs> yeah right. but yeah, the the alt-right man. And I was, <laughs> well, and I was, I was like, really?
5: It's like, the yarmulke with the swastika on it. That's, mm-hmm. your yeah, way. Like, <laughs> this is
0: where they're going. Like, do they not have? There's a, there, there's a company. It's called Google. And when you type things into the Google machine, it tells you things about people. So if you typed in Ben Shapiro alt-right, the first results would have been me ripping the alt-right in the Washington Post. And probably the second results would have been me doing an entire episode ripping the alt-right on my show. Then it would be the alt-right ripping you. Right, then it would be the (laughs) alt-right ripping me. I've spent the last four years doing open war with the alt-right. If they had bothered to do a control F inside my book. I referenced the alt-right four times, all four times I called them racist pieces of crap. So this seemed to be a bit odd. And so, yeah. I, t- I mean, I never go to war with media people who attack me, because I get attacked a lot, mm-hmm. as it turns out. This one I was not going to stand for, so no, I, I really went after them on Twitter. I mean, I, I, d- I called, I, I, d- I said, you need to apologize, you need to pull this down, you need to change the title. I said I threatened to get a solicitor really? in Britain because the because the libel laws in Britain are yeah. a lot looser than the libel laws here. So they're yeah, going to play by those rules. And people call you Nazis, you probably uh, yeah you have you a good libel. Got, you know, yeah, libeling. exactly. And so within four hours, they pulled down the original headline. They changed the. Now I'm a radical conservative. <laughs> I'm no longer the all right. <laughs> they sage they without defended the it first, though. They defended their headline as long as they could, and then I guess they didn't want to lawyer up, so they changed yeah, it. Yeah, some, something happened, and they decided to change. And then they issued a full apology. They said we that, as it turns out. Ben Shapiro's a longtime critic of the alt-right. We apologize, and they spelled it with an S, which just shows what jerks (laughs) they are, oh man. They probably put a U in color, it's ridiculous. Unbelievable.
2: It is amazing, though, because I I thought about this morning how they could've come to such a patently absurd conclusion, and then I realized it's because the left, and particularly the left media, is so ensconced in their ideological bubble that they legitimately cannot discern the difference between the right and the alternative to the right which is the alt-right, from their point of view, we are all white supremacists, Nazi, Mm -hmm. racist, violent, uh, anti-Semitic, jingoistic, you know, one step away from murder. I think that
0: conflation is one of the most dangerous things in public life. And the reason that I say that is because of what it conveys and also the view that it springs from. So what it conveys is that if you are on the right, if you have a heterodox opinion, you're a Nazi. We can't talk with you. And presumably you should be banned because Facebook in the last couple of days has Mm -hmm. said that they are no longer going to allow you to post anything that's white nationalist or white supremacist. I hate white nationalism. I hate white supremacy. Turns out they don't like me much either. But I am deeply uncomfortable with the idea of Facebook using data from Media Matters and the SPLC to determine which speech should be banned.
5: The thing thing is, you and Jordan Peterson, there's not much to go after you about. You know, I mean, you're not a racist. You're obviously not a white. But they always go after you on this transgender thing. Here's a thing that didn't exist like two years ago. I mean, sudden and suddenly this is the worst thing they can say about Also, you, it's called biology. The, the, the truth is, the, wrong the real
0: reason they're pissed, really, is because if you look at the people that Jordan speaks to, largely, it is young men who are dispossessed and he is trying to make them better. Right. Right, and if you look at my audience, which is actually pretty diverse, it is very young and it is very large. And that means that if I am trying to teach people to be better, then all they have to do is point out people mm-hmm. who are not better and say, this is probably your crowd. Even though it obviously is is not my crowd. But the real problem I have is, again, that conflation is an attempt to write conservatism into Nazism and then toss it out the window. And the view that that comes from is such a perverse view of what Western civilization is. And this brings me to the Joe Biden quote that I think Mm -hmm. is one of the worst quotes I've seen from a political candidate in in a decade. When Joe Biden said at a rally in front of, I think it was a racial minority crowd, uh, he he said something to the effect of, English jurisprudence is white culture. And I thought to myself... And and should be...
4: And, and we have and to get past it. Okay. Need, yeah, yeah. needs to change.
0: And I thought, first of all, English jurisprudence is, Anglo-American jurisprudence is one of the best things that has ever happened to humanity. To humanity, And particularly right. yeah. to minorities. Because it turns out that Anglo-American jurisprudence is about the rights of the individual. You know who don't have a lot of minority rights? People who are living in non-Anglo-American jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. Right? Those people tend to be charged head taxes. Those people tend to be victimized along yeah. racial and religious lines. Right. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah. But for the left, for the hard left, like Joe Biden, or for the intersectional left, Western civilization is a veneer, right? It's a a post-facto intellectual veneer that we put on power relations. And what Western civilization really is, is white people cramming down their viewpoints on everybody else, and then giving some sort of post-facto justification with a bunch of nice, pretty words about freedom of speech and equality under law. And so if we just tear down that Western civilization, then the hierarchy will go along too. That is exactly the same thing that the alt-right actually says, except they like Western civilization. They say, that they like the power hierarchy in which white people are more powerful than everybody else. All the nice words about freedom and free markets and all that stuff, that's a bunch of crap that we say just to, just to sweeten the tea a little bit. But the real tea is white supremacy, yeah. and we like the white supremacy. So you're
2: suggesting so- that the two alternatives to the right, the alt-right and the left, agree that the right is wrong. I want to talk more about this. I also want to finally get to those questions <laughs> that we promised we were going to take from our uh, DailyWire.com subscribers, but first we have a special guest. We promised that one day this would happen—that he, that from uh, his lofty perch on the American <laughs> East Coast, Matt Walsh would descend uh, and deign to spend a little time with us here. People ask for this all the time on Twitter. They're like, oh, I don't where's Matt Walsh? Uh, the Daily Wire guys got together and there's no Matt Walsh. Uh, Jeremy grew a beard just so that we wouldn't notice that Matt Walsh wasn't on the show. <laughs> but we today are demonstrating our great uh, power because we got Matt Walsh to come join the show. No, the should. host of the Matt Walsh show. If you aren't familiar with the show, you're missing
6: out. Here's some clips. Hey, guys, over on the Matt Wall Show today. Was Jesus a socialist? No, you nitwits. He was not a socialist. Bernie Sanders is an arrogant, power-hungry, hypocritical, cowardly, morally deranged communist. They're going to chemically castrate this boy. He is being physically, psychologically, emotionally abused. Some old tweets from Cory Booker. Sleep and I broke up a few nights ago. I'm dating coffee now. She's hot. Ha, ha, ha. The Green New Deal is finally here. It's the kind of thing that would sound brilliant if you were high. That around half of all millennials find socialism appealing. They want daddy in Washington to supplant daddy at home. I think Cory Booker might have a condition, actually. I'm kind of worried about him. Someone should probably check on him.
2: Matt Walsh, hey. thanks for being with us. Right. Finally. You just appeared like that. That was crazy. Wow. It was a
6: long drive to get here, but I'm, I'm here. I'm you How many wear... episodes did you shoot in transit? <laughs> I, I got quite a few of them done, so now I'm, now I'm here. You didn't so,
3: wear your bathing suit.
6: I, I got well, an I email.
3: Know. I was told this was spring break edition. It was Catholic bathing suit day. <laughs> it was Catholic bathing suit day.
6: No, that is, that is too short for Catholics. That's yeah.
0: way, way too skimpy. I need like a big alb or something. Yeah. That's right. It's actually great because he's sitting between me and he's the only person more dour than I am. <laughs> and you and he's the only person more Catholic than yeah. you are.
6: So, so there's kind of a transition
0: here.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So, Matt, we were just talking about uh, the, the conflation of all conservatives with the alt-right. And... Uh, how the alt-right and the left actually agree broadly on identity politics. They just disagree about who the victor uh, should be. What, what makes us different than the alt-right? Well, I, I mean, I'm
6: sitting here next to the leader of the alt-right, which is kind of... <laughs> which, which is pretty fun. Um, from what I could tell, the, the main thing that jumps out at me about the alt-right is that it's very nihilistic. I mean, it's, mm. it's identity politics, yes, but at the core of it, there doesn't appear to be much of a moral core, and so for me, conservatism should be, should have that moral foundation, that moral core, uh, which is also what makes the alt-right related to the alt-left, And that at the end of the day, it's relativistic, it's nihilistic, Mm. um, it's, you know, your truth is whatever your truth is. I I think they both share that foundation. Michael, you wrote one of the
2: earliest pieces sort of exposing the reality of the alt-right, I think, to a mainstream uh, audience, and one of the things that you touched on in that piece was the sort of religiosity of the alt-right and how it's... Uh, a religiosity without any connection to the spiritual truths of religion?
3: It's, yeah, it's very postmodern, and this is an issue I really wanted to get out and explain what the alt-right was when that phrase had meaning, which it no longer does because Ben Shapiro is now the leader <laughs> of the alt-right, of, <laughs> yeah. anyone to the right of Hillary Clinton is. They do this to a lot of words, racism, sexism, blah, 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 and they've done it to the alt-right, but it does have a meaning, and it's an alternative to what we would call the conservative tradition. And it's an alternative that emphasizes brutal power politics, it's it's a zero-sum game, it's rooted essentially in racial identity. And the the trouble with it, as the trouble with so many of these things, is that it inverts reality. You know, Andrew Breitbart, who everyone in L.A. knew except for me because I got out here too late, (laughs) uh, would talk about how politics is down from culture and culture, as Russell Kirk says, is down from religion, from the cult. What they do is they invert that. And so they substitute, rather than talking about recreating Christendom, recreating Western civilization rooted in the religion that forms that, they say, no, 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 we want all the trappings of Christendom yeah. without the Christ. Mm-hmm. They want all the trappings of Western culture without the cult that makes the culture. That, that actually is leftism. It is. It is like, well, it <laughs> reminds me. It's like the sort of people who drink decaf coffee and Diet Coke. They, want, they eat vegetarian bacon. They want the semblance of the thing, but they don't want the essence of the thing. And I, I, that's what the alt right does. So they use the sort of language that might get some conservatives excited. We need to go back to our foundations. We need to go back to Western civilization. But they misunderstand what Western civilization is essentially, probably because they haven't read the, the alt right leader's book on uh, the right side of history.
2: You know, if you can get past uh, the aesthetic long enough to take Michael seriously, <laughs> he yeah. really knows a lot of stuff.
5: No, no, no. That's not the okay? <laughs> case.
3: Not, you know, there was one talk, time. There was one time on on the show. I, I we were talking about sort of debates among C- Protestants and Catholics and Eastern Orthodox, all these things. And we were in this really intense debate. And I realized it was Halloween, and I was wearing a Moana
0: costume. <laughs> I said, this is not, <laughs> This isn't great video. Can we talk about Jesse Smollett?
2: Oh, can we not talk about <laughs> It's the it, to me. In a week of great stories, it is
0: the greatest. It story. is the most fun story. It is. Like, the they, most fun I mean, story. because. There's a schadenfreude to the Mueller report, There's like two years in the making. It's a long windup, and when the pitch comes, it's really great. But the, the Jesse Smollett being let off the hook for being a racial hoaxer, and now his lawyer maintaining that he was, in fact, innocent. He was the victim of a hate crime from two Nigerian brothers who... He, in, in, his in his employ In his employee, his personal trainers, who are extras on Empire, who beat him up, and now his lawyers are saying... That they legitimately beat him up while wearing whiteface <laughs> under the, their ski masks. <laughs> under their ski masks. This is the, this is the actual theory of the case, and I just think this timeline is. Freaking great, man. I mean, this is a great. And Michelle Obama's friends are calling up the DA yeah. over there and telling her, can you kick this thing? And she's like, sure. And I'll pretend to accuse myself, but I won't. And no, then that, that was only meant in the colloquial sense. In the colloquial mm-hmm. sense. Because that's what lawyers do. We speak in the colloquial sense. <laughs> when I'm lawyering, what I always do when I write a contract is I say, I make it as colloquial as I can. Hey, <laughs> y'all. Right, exactly. Can we do some stuff here? Like, you'll do some stuff. I'll do some stuff. We'll be happy. That's how I write all my contracts.
2: Ben always says, hey, y'all. in hey, parentheses. <laughs> Party one.
0: Party one.
5: (laughs) You know, one of the things I've always... Why corruption always makes me laugh is because when it gets as corrupt as Chicago, they stop hiding it. It's so funny. Mm -hmm. You know, they says like, what did you do with the money? Well, I put it in a little tin box kind of thing. You know, And, and now... The, Chicago, the thing about this Smollett story is nobody is clean. You know, you want to root for the cops. I love the cops. They're, you know, our first responders and all this stuff. But the cops in Chicago have been very, have not been so good. Before this new guy came in, you know, they yeah. hid that video Laquan of McDonald's. Laquan McDonald getting shot. Uh, they hid it for something like 13 months. Rahm uh, Emanuel was part of that. And that's the reason this woman who dumped the case is in office, basically. Right. She came in saying they're not treating black people. So it's like, it's basically bad Democrats versus evil Democrats. Oh, but when you're too
0: corrupt for a guy who legitimately used to send fish in newspaper to his <laughs> enemies when he was on the Hill, Rahm Emanuel, yeah. you may have you, gone a gone little gone over too the, far. Yeah. You're, you're like, you're past the rainbow. The, the rainbow hill.
3: left you behind a while ago. Yeah. The, the unmentioned part of this, though, because once he got off the hook, once they said, okay, you're not guilty. Although, you, they kept the money. Yeah, yeah. You're not guilty. Give us that 10 Gs and you <laughs> have to go do some work for Jesse Jackson's non-profit. And okay right. But retroactively. <laughs> retroactively, but you're off the hook. But initially we heard, oh, Empire is going to hire him back. He's going to come back on. He's going to have a career. Everyone is forgetting the federal charges that could be brought against him for sending a hate hoax through the mail Matt, with will, white powder. Will they
2: bring federal charges?
3: Uh, I, I mean, I certainly hope so, although they didn't say that he's not guilty because they, that's
6: right. the thing is right. the, the prosecutors out there are saying that he's guilty. Kim Fox said that, yeah, well, we think he's guilty. The charges made sense, so... They're not making any attempt to hide it. That's, that's what really is kind of scary about it. So it shows you something about how privilege really works in our society. Um, and it's not necessarily tied to being white, straight, and male, apparently, as Jussie Smollett has shown us, <laughs> or as Cardi B has shown us. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's privilege that has a lot more to do with, well, certainly money is, is the first thing that matters, but... Um, Also, you know, identity, the the trendiest identity is not white and male, as we've discovered.
0: And and connections. Celebrity status. Celebrity status helps an awful lot, right? Joseph Epstein down in Florida getting off on on his charges on, uh, I mean, that guy should be in jail forever and never get out. For 100% of time. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Honestly, I'll be honest. I'm really looking forward to them finally breaking all the people who visited his sex slave island and all of their activities. I want all this stuff out in the public because I want to know what Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein. Epson. Epson. you. you know, right. know, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm just going to head just, out, just out of here, guys, yeah.
3: before that story breaks. <laughs> <So>, uh,
0: <laughs> nobody
6: ever invited you to. <laughs> I think part part of the problem too is that um, there's so little integrity on either side of the aisle anymore. So that's how people get away with things: is that they always have their own side that's going to overlook it because, and it happens on it happens on the other side too. So that, that's that's part of the problem is that the peanut gallery, who should be demanding justice, hmm. uh, we're always looking at things through a political lens. And so now the left is looking at Jesse Smollett and saying, well, I guess he's kind of ours, and so we have to sort of yeah, at least that, look the other way. It was that
2: thing that the, that the black community said after O.J. Simpson, I realize that's a yeah. long time ago. No, but they did but where say Where they that.
6: basically said,
2: you owe us one. Yeah. Like, we know he's guilty, but you just owe us one. And I feel like that's one of the problems with identity politics, yes, on both sides of the aisle, is that we, we tend to want this sort of... Um, broad sense of of justice like a correction against broad injustice but there can't be broad justice without individual instances yeah, t- of justice you can't only, get to justice through it goes injustice.
5: one way you know and once it's over yeah. you can't do a thing about it you can't correct slavery you can't punish a right. guy just because he's white for holding slaves which he never held it just doesn't work that way and the left frequently thinks without time like with abortion when they say oh well that's not really a person you think like Yes, it is. It's a person at a certain time in this time that is his life. And I think that the left does this mm. all the time. They just eliminate the uh, dimension of time when they think. Because how can, you, how can you recompense people who are dead? You can't. That's what injustice is.
2: So this is a legitimate question for you guys about Jesse Smollett. Uh, I, I referenced OJ, and one of the most interesting things to me about OJ is that he didn't get away with anything, mm. right? He, he got away in the moment. But there is a kind of justice, a supernatural justice that seems to exist... Uh, on Earth, and in the act of getting away with it, I think uh, O.J. Simpson was so, not only not only corrupted because he's a murderer, but corrupted by the idea of his own invulnerability in the face of the law, that it led him to do other terrible things,
0: which eventually caught up with him. Will will a similar justice track Jesse Smollett at some point? Well, the problem is he's gonna need publicity for something else. Because if he just mm. disappears into the ether and the last we hear of him is this nonsense, then he's never gonna get hired again. You know, maybe, although I will say that the nice thing, O.J. was never, he was, he was in Hollywood, he really was not of, of Hollywood. Hollywood. yeah. I mean, Jesse Smollett is a Hollywood person, which means that everybody gets a second shot in Hollywood. Five years from now, Jordan Peele will cast him in a movie or something. And it'll just be kind of a big joke that he did this five years ago, and we'll all laugh about it. And it will be like, oh, well, isn't that funny that now he's back doing this sort of stuff? He, although
5: you have to be pretty crazy to do what he did, so maybe that'll catch up with him you know well, he, may, he may he's it self-destructive human i mean that's yeah, that's absolutely just, I mean, true. when you
0: when you believe
2: that everyone believes your lie i mean it's pretty audacious to have the police say you're guilty the mayor say you're guilty even the prosecutor who just dropped the charges say you're guilty and the court keep keep the bail money yeah and then your press conference isn't i'm really sorry about this uh i'm very glad obviously that i'm not facing worse charges but instead you're no, I was a victim. I was always telling the truth. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to face
0: my well, mama but, if I had been alive.
5: You talk like someone who's never met an actor, which I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, is, but it's actually true of everybody, right? I mean, brazening it out is always the, is always the best thing to do in modern politics. And, and yeah, anywhere in modern life. Right? I mean, we talked mm-hmm. about this a couple of episodes ago. In the said.
2: graceless society. In the
0: graceless society. If you were to apologize, then it would be like, okay, he can't work again. Mm-hmm. Right? Because then he's acknowledged his guilt. But if he never acknowledges his guilt, then he can continue to maintain that he was beat up by two Nigerian brothers in whiteface. Under their scheme, right? Right, under under their ski masks. I mean, my, my going theory of the case, by the way, is that it wasn't the Nigerian brothers at all. It was Ralph Northam in blackface in whiteface. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is why I, I think uh, I,
6: I have no problem with them dropping the charges. All they had to do, I, I thought that that would actually be the best case scenario is if they drop the charges on the condition that he'd go out on the courthouse steps and admit what he did. Right. And yeah. then that's no problem. Then they can say, yeah, you're fine. We, we, because... If Even if they had given him two weeks of jail time or okay, something right. like that, yeah, and, and he could maintain it. his innocence, then he still wins in some respects. So that's what makes this such a travesty, is that if they want to claim, oh, well, it wasn't worth going through the whole rigmarole of a trial, fine, I get that. So then tell him that he needs to go... The fact that you let him go out on the courthouse steps... And 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 claim innocence is, is yeah. what makes this such a tragedy. And the
2: fact that they sealed the court records means we don't even they, know they the deal. That they, them. They did you well, did you
0: see what Kim Fox said about that? She said we accidentally applied to have oh, the court oh, records yeah, sealed. She said true. we're now applying Chicago, to have them unsealed. The Chicago
5: seal. way, uh-huh. yeah. Sure. It's <laughs> yeah, you know, Like a gun just went off.
0: They <laughs> were saying that this best week ever
3: with all this crazy news. This the Jussie Smollett thing that was one, I was a little too bad because that was injustice. He got off the hook. No way! What are you? T- that's the—that's a little cherry on top of the Sunday? Because now it's such a gross injustice. Yeah. There is a chance that the feds look into this, look into both how he got his deal and look into the fake uh, hate mail hoax. But also, Republicans get to point to this as such an egregious example of
0: of hoaxes and identity politics gone wrong. Yeah. We can use this for two years. Did you the media coverage of Smollett has been hysterically funny. I mean, Brian Stelter, the ombudsman over at <laughs> CNN, doing yeah. reliable source. He gets on TV after all this happens, and he goes, "We may never know what happened with Jesse Smollett we, because no one was there. I wasn't there. You weren't there. We may never know what happened with Jesse Smollett. Weird, because for two years your entire network was proclaiming that President Trump was a cat's paw of the Russians, <laughs> and, and also, you had no evidence, and it turned out to be false. We have this. Way and you of still will not apologize out. for
5: that. We have this way of finding out called a trial. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the, reason, the reason we don't uh, so know so is this. Chicago's doofus product.
0: signed a personal check <laughs> yeah. to the people who committed a hate crime against him and called them on the phone an hour before it happened. Yeah." How many times have you been hate-crimed over that sort of Guys, thing? Guys, he didn't
2: drop the Subway
0: sandwich. <laughs> we have all the proof we need. That, that, that by those, the way, is the best. Those, that, that will never die. That, those, is the, that is the best part of the those story. Those a good sandwich. You don't to let go of your Subway <laughs> sandwich. i, I, I got to say that if Subway does not hire him for a commercial campaign after this, they've really missed their opportunity. I mean, if their two spokespeople are not Jared and Jess and Jesse, I mean, that's pretty fantastic. So Elisha,
2: while we've got Matt here, let's uh, see if any of our Daily Wire subscribers have questions that he might know the answer to. Uh, Lord knows we do not. (laughs) (laughs) Elisha. Oh, oh
4: sorry, you guys didn't even give me a working umbrella. <laughs> Dear Lord.
2: There's not even a working sun where you are. I mean,
4: well, I don't know. It's a good thing there's no working sun because you don't pay me enough to get Botox. So, yeah. all righty. That's true. <laughs> this question, I guess it's for all the guys. Charles wants to know, what would be your advice to somebody who yearns for the freedom of the world of philosophical commentary, but also wishes to keep the security of a full-time job they consider a bore and mundane?
1: <laughs> hmm.
6: Get, give it. up that dream. That's not
5: good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did not know the answer. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the
6: problem these days. Is if you, uh, and that's what makes it easier. You know, people say to me all the time, like, "Well, how do you have the courage to speak your mind?" Given that, well, it's easy for me because it's my job to be a loudmouth and have opinions. Um, and uh, we're all in the same boat. Our job is, is opinions, but it's a lot harder when you have a real job. And, and then you're trying to balance that and being you know, the prudence of when do I speak up. Um, so that's a, a much more difficult thing, uh, which is why I think people that are in the opinion realm would get way too much credit, I think, for being
0: warriors for truth, would really it, it's, it's, this is what we do. This is so. definitely true. I will also say that everybody, I think underlying that question is how do I get into sort of the opinion business? And the answer is you do a lot of stuff for free for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, really, like everybody sort of wants to go to immediately Charles Krauthammer status where just you're, you're on Fox News every night or how did you get where you are? How'd you this? I'm in year 18 of this project. I'm 35 years old, so I look, you know, somewhat young at this point still. I've been doing this for nearly two decades yeah. Yeah. And, and for nearly no pay for most of that time. And you
5: also, you also acquired an expertise first. You, you are a Harvard lawyer. You've had a varied career in show business. I have no idea what no Yeah, did. well, the real way to do it is to not write a book. I mean, th-
3: I hate to disagree with you. <laughs> this is
2: actually an interesting because, you know, I like to bring in a little business advice for how people might be able to make themselves successful. So I like a question like this. You bring up working for free. One of the amazing things that you will hear people say routinely, especially young people, is I know my value. I know what I'm worth. You'll say, hey, I mean, if you want to write something for us, submit it and we'll review it. And if we like it, well, I don't write for free. I know my value, I know, I know my worth. I do too, <laughs> <laughs> I offered it to you. you. You have no worth, you have no value. Your time is not <laughs> automatically valuable. The fact that you typed into a computer does not create value for me. V- value is when I can take what you've created and I can monetize it in some way that brings in money. And then I can keep some of that money and I can give some of the money to you. That's the definition of value. And in order to gain value as a commentator, you have to write a lot of commentary. It's when, when people in Hollywood, people will tell me they want to move to Hollywood. They'll say, you know, in my hometown, I'm an actor. Uh, acting is my dream, so I want to move to Hollywood. And I'll say, well, you have the wrong dream. Because when you move to Hollywood, the first thing that happens is you stop acting. You could do, you could do high-end uh, uh, regional theater or community theater in your hometown, uh, some of it very good. And you could probably act in six shows a year if you're if you're worth your salt back where you are. You move to LA, you may not act for years. 75 auditions to book a role mm-hmm. is basically the average for an actor in Hollywood, and the role might be one line one day. Same with musicians, people will say, you know, I, I have this band, we play in bars all around my hometown. Uh, my, my passion is playing music, so I'm going to move to L.A. or Nashville and make that well, you have the wrong dream. You play music where you are. Moving to Nashville is a way to not play music anymore because yeah. they don't pay you 200 bucks to play in a restaurant in Nashville because everyone in Nashville plays music. The, the market is saturated. Uh, they do pay you that in your small town. And even if they did in Nashville, you couldn't live off the 200 bucks the way you can in your small town. Mm-hmm. Your, your actual ambition is misstated. What you really mean, but you don't want to say because it sounds terrible, is i I would rather act less I would rather play music less for the opportunity to to gain a higher level of recognition or to play at a higher level with better people or play on a greater stage with a greater a greater audience but that that sounds you know people don't like to say honest yeah. things about themselves, and so they say, "Oh my dream is acting or my dream is music. stay where you are yeah and and at the end of the day, what it takes to be a musician is playing music, and what it takes to be an actor is acting. And what it takes to be a commentator is commentating. And over time, and
0: learning develop, things, and, and learning reading, things, and, and reading getting good right. at you develop it, skill. And you, I will out. say that the YouTube culture has really hurt us in this way because there are people who somehow soar to stardom without ever having done anything or learned anything. And listen, when I was younger, the dues-paying stuff pissed me oh, off, yeah, uh, of course. really pissed me off because I knew I was more talented than half the people that I was watching. I knew that I knew more stuff than they did. And I felt it was a grave injustice that I was not getting more recognition for the fact that my writing was, was very good and that I'd really studied these issues. But the fact is that that required me to put in more time and the world didn't owe me anything. And the same thing, I feel like, I mean, Drew, how many scripts have you written and how many have actually
5: made it to screen? Oh, my you know I wrote I, wrote, I think four novels before I published one. and, and very and, and though the thing about screenwriting is you can make a good living without ever having them get to screen, almost none of the screenplays I sold for good money made it to the screen. I mean, that's yeah. the movie. I, that's I even want to
3: puncture the one of the great dreams that I get asked this question at every campus speech because I actually did get paid a ton of money to do nothing. I actually, like literally nothing. right? You, now you're a number one New York Times bestselling author, so that does hit above, you know. But this was a number one best-selling blank book. I worked for, from the age of 18 to, I don't know, when did I do the book, 27 or something? Mm. I worked for Peanuts all that time. I worked a million political campaigns. I did a ton of off, 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 off Broadway plays for making pennies. And it the only thing that keeps you going through that is because you want to do the thing, because you want to write yeah, the right. columns, because you want to write the books, because you want to be in it, you want to do plays. You got to do it for that. If you think you're going to get a payday
5: for it, I, I, mean, I, wanna, I challenge people, people used to interview me when I started to hit it big and get big money for novels. And they would say, well, you really made a lot of money. I said, we've got to prorate it. we got to prorate it. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's, right. That's right. We prorated it over it, exactly all the things right. I wrote. I mean, in for, for, for years, I, so I've
0: been writing a syndicated column since I was 17 years old. Mm. It started to make any sort of money that would even look like money in the last three years, mm. maybe. Right. So, it, and, but, and, but
2: I want to challenge even this thing. You said, you know, it's kind of unfortunate. We live in the age of YouTube and people can legitimately become superstars who've done nothing. And it is true, and it's always been true in every medium. Right. Some guy scratches out nothing on the page, <laughs> and it becomes a, a best-selling book. I mean, that, that's a tale as old but as But that's time. not the norm. I mean, that's not, not the only, But not only is it not the norm, you, you, as you famously have said, luck is not a business model. Yep. Right. But there is more to it, which is they may attain a small measure of, of fame, a large measure of fame, rapidly on the basis of nothing, but they won't preserve same right. on the basis of nothing. And a great example of this uh, is, is Logan Paul. Mm. So Logan Paul and his brother are YouTube stars. Uh, Logan Paul, I'm not a connoisseur of this content. As far as I can tell, he became very, very famous for doing very, very dumb things while a camera was rolling. <laughs> and you look at him and he makes like six hundred quadrillion trillion. He has a staff of Logan Paul and his buddies. They live in a giant mansion. And it is manna from heaven and beautiful women rain down upon them. And you wonder, like, how is such a thing possible? It seems like an injustice. This week, Logan Paul put out a video, a documentary of his examination of the flat earth conspiracy theory, which is as good as any comedy film made in the last decade. It's a 50-minute feature. The production value Unbelievable! The skill, the the directing, the editing, the performance. His performance is subtle. It's self-deprecating. It's it's brilliantly conceived. It took stones uh, the size <laughs> of beach balls to actually put himself in the environments that he did in order to to create this piece of of entertainment. And what I'm I guess what I'm trying to tell you is Logan Paul may have gotten famous for. Filming himself do stupid things, and he may have ridden a wave that seems from the outside to be kind of unfair. He has maintained his level of fame. He and many, many, PewDiePie Pie and yeah, others who, right. mm-hmm. who have created enormous brands. Creating a brand, difficult. Maintaining a brand, nearly impossible. Well, I mean, he also, improving
0: your brand. He also generates unheard. an insane amount of content. I mean, that's right. We, I mean, spoiler alert, we've met Logan Paul, and another spoiler alert, he called me a mother bleeping G, which is <laughs> a really interesting experience. but... But but Logan Paul told me because I, I asked him what's your daily schedule. I asked this to kind of everybody famous yeah. who comes by. What's your daily schedule? And he said, well, I have a camera on me for ten hours a day, and then we spend seven hours at night editing. That's mm-hmm. right. He works seventeen hours a day. I think that's one of the that
6: is one of the great things that we talk about paying your dues and everything. But uh, these days you could cut out the middleman, and if you do mm-hmm. have talent, you can just go right to the you can go right to the people. And there are there are some people who you know I, I tend to think. If you do manage to attract a huge audience, uh, that probably means that you have some sort of, of talent uh, because there are a billion people on the internet trying to do it. That's right. And so if you manage to do it, it probably means that, that, that you've got something going on. So it is it is different now. You know, The, the paying your dues thing, I think, looks a little bit different
0: than it used to. It, it is also a matter of investment, meaning that what, what I see a lot is people who don't actually want to invest either their time or their money. They want you to invest your time and your money yeah. in them. And that's not a thing. Yeah. Okay, either you got to invest an enormous amount of time getting so good at the thing that I cannot turn down the opportunity to give you my money, yeah. or you have to put in your own money and
5: risk. I mean, you want the reward. You got to take the risk. That's right. Well, oh, stuff like this is a huge risk. You know, that's the thing with artists and anybody who does a creative job. You're risking your life. You're right. risking your whole life because most people who do this stuff are smart enough to have done something much safer. You, know, <laughs> you, you could have been a lawyer. I mean, you could have done... You know, I, I, I,
0: I did. I worked at
5: a law firm. Right. And, yeah. and, and, that's, and that's the thing. Most of them are putting aside a, a way of life and taking this incredible risk with your whole life, you can wind up, and I've seen it happen to people, you can wind up 50 with nothing. You know, Well, this because... is why I Not, I will not say... me,
2: boys. It was smooth sailing all the way here, <laughs> and absolutely nothing else that I'm qualified to do on Earth. Listen, if you would like to come and sit in on the live taping of a show where we recommend Logan Paul feature films, <laughs> you are welcome to head over to dailywire.com. There's a little bit of time left during this live broadcast where if you click on subscribe, become an annual subscriber, you'll be automatically entered for an opportunity to do just that. We'll uh, pay for you a flight or an Uber to come down uh, to our studios here in L.A., and we'll light you up a nice cigar and let you sit in with us while we film a future episode of Backstage. Elisha, for those who are already subscribers and able to ask us questions, they uh, able to get a Leftist Tears Hot or Cold Tumblr if they're annual subscribers. They're able to tune in daily to the Matt Wall Show, the Andrew Clavin Show, the Michael Knowles Show, or the Ben Shapiro Show, and to our radio uh, show behind our paywall. Uh, they may also want to, you know, just ask us something. Do they?
4: Oh, I do have a question, though. After seeing that wide shot, now that Michael Knowles is closer to that Mm -hmm. camera, he once asked me for my waxer, and I thought it was for (laughs) his Mm -hmm. wife. It's very apparent it was for his very own legs, Mm -hmm. and now I am mortified.
3: uh, Listen, I know that transgenderism (laughs) is becoming the new dominant theme. (laughs) and listen, I'm just saying there aren't a lot of roles in Hollywood for men. Half the roles are for women. Why wouldn't I leave myself available for that?
4: <laughs> make it stop, make it we've, stop. We've hit a
3: new <laughs> oh, God, well, I, I
0: Joe goodness. frickin' Namath over I here. Understand.
4: Hopefully we can end on a high note and tell Sam where he can go for the most conservative vacation spot, considering that this is a very special spring break edition.
6: Hmm, Matt? <laughs> Uh, the, the best vacation spot? Yeah. The van. Uh, yeah, I, I've been living in my car for 32 years. I
3: don't, uh, I don't go on vacation. So I don't know. Six Flags? I mean, I've got the most conservative vacation spot. Yes. Waikiki Beach. In the, for some reason, it's a state of Hawaii, (laughs) this is the most conservative thing. Because one, it's beautiful. It's almost entirely man-made on that beach. It is so gorgeous. Everything has been manicured perfectly for you. You've got steakhouses. You've got the Cheesecake Factory. You've got every single beautiful comfort you want. No driving, no nothing. They hand you big, silly drinks and big, silly glasses (laughs) like this. It is... How's the cell service? And this, oh, Ah, It is just (laughs) absolutely... You can be... Instagramming, it is the most American uh, vacation spot on earth.
5: Andrew, I got to say, Rome. I got to say, Rome. All of all of Western history is right there. You can turn over a rock, and you've got like Catholic history. You can turn it over, you get the Roman Empire. You can turn it over, you get the Renaissance. You it's get the Jews great. being oppressed. The Jews keep turning oppressed. it. <laughs> Part right of Western civilization, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll go one
2: further. Uh, Delphi in Greece. Delphi I was I was once uh, by moon. there's a true story. By moonlight, broke into uh, the oracle hiked down the hill around the security uh, station, came in, beautiful full moon, sat uh, at the amphitheater, had one of the most sort of transcendent experiences of my life, lifted up a rock, looked under it, and it said Socrates
0: was here. (laughs) (laughs) Benjamin. Um, In English. I'll take take the other half of Western civilization. So I I still think that visiting Israel is probably the most conservative place that you can be. Not only is it Mm -hmm. a Western civilized country, in an area that is not western or civilized uh, it is also the the font of the judeo-christian morality that has shaped the west in the most profound ways mm. and also it is an order of magnitude more ancient than anything else you will ever see oh, that i is mean you, sure. you go there and it's it is astonishing that you Every so often it hits you. And it's funny. I know it hit you, Jeremy, when you visit it. But I remember that, you know, I'm a big history buff. And so when I was younger, I was very into revolutionary war history. This is my thing. And so when we went to Philadelphia, I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Here's the Liberty Bell. And this stuff is like, it's so old. I mean, this stuff is from like 1776. This yep. stuff is like 225 years old. Cause it's like 2000. It's like 225 years old. This is amazing. And then we go to Israel. And it's like, okay, so take that and now multiply it by 10. <laughs> and yeah. that's, these are the stones where the Judean revolt was, was fought. Right? I mean, I, I have coins in my house. Actually, I, I bought a couple of, of ancient coins. So I have a, a, a coin from the Hirsanus regime, which predates Christ by several hundred years. And then I have a, a coin from the, uh, the revolt, the Bar Kokhba revolt. Uh, and these things are thousands of years old. And you're walking around and you're like, okay, well, what's great about it is the description of Jerusalem in all of Western literature, sort of the Axis Mundi, is the, is the central pillar of, of humanity. It's just true. When you're there, it does feel different than any place else I've yeah. ever been. I've been to Rome. It's amazing. I, it would be my second favorite spot. I mean, I, I love Italy. It is spectacular. Yeah. I've been to France. I've been to Britain. Britain is a wonderful place. You go, to, you go to Israel, there's a different feel to everything there. It's almost, it's like there's a different spiritual dimension to just being there. Yeah. And then you're walking through a valley where David slew Goliath. I mean, it's an actual place. Yeah. You're like, this, you know, the civilization, we stand on the top. I mean, this is the theme of my book, but I it really, it, it, it's moving to me. We stand on top. When you see a skyscraper in New York, when you see a, when you see a car driving down the street, that is stand, all of that is happening atop the iceberg. And if you just keep digging down to the bottom of the iceberg, to the yeah. seabed, that's where Jerusalem is. And so we can talk as much as we want about all the beautiful things that we've built up here at the top of the iceberg. But the fact is, if you keep melting away and chipping away at the bottom of that iceberg, That stuff ain't going to stand. It's just not going to stand. And you don't realize that until you actually study your civilization, whether it is in Greece or whether it's in Rome. Uh, or whether it's or whether it's in Israel, which I think is the place where where it runs the deepest. I'm just so pleased to have heard Ben acknowledge the historicity of Christ.
5: Alicia, <laughs> <laughs> <Hammond. Elisha, laughs>
2: I, I, I <laughs> another question
1: for us. Though.
4: All right, Christian wants to know. should he get married at eighteen, even if he has to live on ends meet and work a minimum wage job? If oh. it will result, I'm sorry, result in long-term happiness down the road.
2: Yes. By show of hands. Yeah, Uh, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. (laughs) I say yes, but I didn't do it. I mean, did you guys? No, I didn't get married at eighteen. I I
5: assume I I would have met the girl
6: though. You get married, you get married young, and then that's the that is the foundation of your of your adulthood, rather than it being the capstone of it. That's Mm. you begin there, and then you go through that journey and having nothing and that struggle with your with your spouse, and then you bond over that. I think that the problem is when you have people that uh, you know they, they have their own life and then they go get married, and so you have a lot of these issues where. Uh, now you're trying to merge these two separate That's existences right. I whereas, will,
3: instead of forging one existence together. I will tell you, I married the girl that I was dating at 18. <laughs> I am one of these weird stories where the whole culture told us, split up, you just, it's insane, to, especially I'm from New York, it's insane. You should, could never get married that young. You've got to split up, go to college, whatever. And I, and I ended up fighting that culture for years And ended up marrying the girl I I dated at 18. If I had it to do over, I would have done it years and years and years earlier.
5: And I have to say, having been married longer probably than all you guys put together, uh, that you become... A, a true partnership in a way that is mystical. I mean, it is just after a while, you are just, you know, you start out with all these things like you're talking about. You have to merge these two lives. And after a while, you're one life and that's an incredibly beautiful thing. It's actually, it was
0: funny, the other day I was talking to my wife about something and I can't remember what it was. And I said, you remember when this happened to me? She said, no, that happened to me. Ah, this is just something yes, that you end yes, up doing yes. with your spouse all the time <laughs> where your memories become your spouse's memories. Yeah. Like you actually, it, 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 you become two halves of one whole. And right. that's, it, it is one of the great tragedies of the West that people are getting married at twenty eight and not getting married at twenty one. It's yeah. it is absolute how, stupidity. How I mean, how old was everybody when they got married? Yeah, so, I was
5: about to say, Drew, how old were you? Well were you now at? when I when we moved in together, I was I was about twenty-one, uh, but we got married years later. But we lived together before that. So. how long did you live together first? Four four years, I think. Four was. years. Yeah.
3: Michael, how old Twenty seven, I guess, twenty eight, something Matt? like that. Uh, I was uh I was
6: twenty five years old, yeah, when we got married. Twenty four.
3: Twenty four. I was the oldest at thirty. Okay. Yeah, that's
2: old.
0: I win again, guys.
1: <laughs>
2: but listen, there are consequences to getting married old. You know, I yep. uh, uh,
0: higher likelihood of divorce for one.
2: Higher likelihood of divorce. Married, uh, your your options for marriage do change, right? The the nature of the foundations of your marriage is gonna is going to necessarily be different, and there are biological consequences to getting married uh, older as well. Um, that's not to say that people should be completely foolish. Although I do I do generally say. That any Christian uh, young man can marry any Christian young woman, and it can be and it will work if they believe in the institution of marriage itself. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the preferred way uh, of going about this, although it, it it actually did work for many thousands of years. And I say Christian, uh, I really mean people who share
0: well. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're, can, you're right. Can that that commitment to the institution of marriage is actually more important than the soulmate idea of marriage. So there's That's a really right. interesting thread today from the National Foundation for Marriage, I think is what it's called, about what, marriages are now lasting longer. So we've actually reversed the trend. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the reasons that is suggested is that the 1980s and 90s version of what marriage was supposed to be, the soulmate version of marriage, which ended so poorly because people thought soulmate means madly in love, passionate about yeah. each other in just the way that I was the first six months of the marriage, which is not true for anyone. Love changes, it transmutes, sure, it becomes deeper, it becomes more profound in many ways, but it's not quite as like, I can't wait to be with the person every single second of every single day the way that it is when you're first dating somebody. For example, that model completely failed and it's been, impl- it's been replaced by what they call the all-factor view of marriage, which is commitment to, to common goals, common values, the institution itself, that's, that's the good stuff. And it used to be, I mean, the, the separation of sex from marriage has had dire ramifications for our society yeah, in I an incredibly the, serious the, way.
6: The other problem with the soulmate thing is that if you say, well, I'm looking for my soulmate, someone was destined in the stars, you know, we were meant to be together. Well, okay, well then what happens when you marry someone you thought was your soulmate and then, uh, and then that feeling dies and then, oh, you meet the secretary at work and you say, oh, no, she was my soulmate. Yeah, I, I got this wrong. And, yeah. Okay, so I got to leave my wife and go to her. Uh, no, it's it's it's... You know, the person becomes your soulmate. This is what the sacrament of marriage is in Christianity anyway. The person becomes your soulmate literally in a metaphysical sense when you marry them. It's, they weren't your soulmate before yeah, that. Right. But in that moment of bestowing that sacrament onto each other, uh, now you're locked. And that's why
3: in Christianity it's supposed to be that you you, can't, you literally cannot separate. And and this is that is such a good point because I've asked people, before I got married, I said, what's the secret to a long marriage to people who have done it? And they gave a lot of advice. Patience, all this sort of thing. And don't get divorced, is what people told (laughs) me. Don't get divorced. And it is, in the traditional Christian view, divorce is not permissible. And so if you go in and you say, look, we better, if there's a little tiff, we better work this out because divorce is not going to happen. So... You better work it out. There is a real sense of security and comfort there. You say, you, you are, by mm-hmm. definition, my soulmate. And I so we're going to gonna say, be together.
5: I discovered this backwards, because I was not committed to the institution of marriage or to anything when I got married. I was too young and too nuts, you know. And I, I think that what I was committed to, I was madly in love with my wife, as I am to this very day. And slowly I began to notice that there was a third thing that bound us together. And it was really this marriage kind of purified all our own kind of shambolic yeah. flaws and tendencies yeah. and, and was actually better than either of us alone and so i kind of discovered the institution of marriage by providence and and it really is a it's a real thing it's a real yeah. thing and if you commit to it i think that you're you're in solid because also it's the a kids, beautiful way to live the kids too i mean
6: that that's what you know kids the the, this, the kids need the security of knowing that both parents are are you know are are devoted to this marriage and i can remember when i was a kid and all of my friends, all their parents were getting divorced. And I talked to my mom one night, and I was very upset. And I said, my, all my friends are getting divorced. What if that happens to you and dad? And she looked at me and she said, we will never get divorced, period. It will <laughs> never happen. And, uh, and I believed her. And it was, But I needed to know that, that mm-hmm. they both felt that way. That No matter what happens, that, that, that is just not an option. It's not on the table. And for me, as a child, I, I needed that assurance. And there's a lot of kids growing up who don't have that security and i think it wreaks havoc on there
5: you know when i see people and i know a lot of them who have left their wives mostly i know guys who have left their wives with children small children behind and they always say to me and and i know women who say this too the kids will be fine the kids will adapt and i thought yeah you blew up their planet you blew their planet up they're floating in space they'll never be all right they will never ever be all right and i think that that it, it's such a travesty to, for a momentary... You have event. that
2: story of the person who, uh, who got the divorce and their, their child became an adult. It was many years later. Their child's 18, 19 years old. I'll, it was t- I'll ruin this. It story. was, it was
5: t- 10 years later, Can and the start? child went off the rails and went so badly off the rails, they finally had to do that thing where they virtually kidnapped the kid and, and take them to a psychiatrist. And they all sat down to the psychiatrist, and the first words out of her mouth were, why did you get divorced? And, and the mother said... That was 10 years ago. And it's like, yeah, you blow up somebody's planet, it sticks, you know, yeah. they remember. I mean, Jesus had a lot to say about this and I always, it always makes me laugh when they cast gay people out of the church, but then they have a divorce workshop. You know <laughs> they think, like, yeah, yeah you, know. <laughs> a,
6: the, a, the, you know. Marriage is one of the few issues, divorce is one of the few issues, one of the few sort of hot button societal issues that Jesus spoke about very directly. That's right. and right. Because on a lot of, you know, he spoke in parables, and sometimes it's very frustrating that you're trying to decipher, well, what does that mean? On marriage, though, he said, no, you can't get divorced. Yeah. Can't do it. If you do that, you're an adulterer. Uh, if you remarry, then you're making that person an adulterer. He's, that's, that's right there. It's in all the Gospels. Yep. And
0: yet Christians
6: still find a way to, yeah, he said that, but... And
5: and we worked hard, you know, we worked hard to keep the marriage going.
0: I mean, in in the Old Testament, there's a, a very bizarre section that's very hard to understand about a husband who accuses his wife of being an adulteress. And so they're supposed to go to the Kohen Godel, they're supposed to go to the priest, and he is supposed to make her drink this kind of magic potion where he dissolves the name of God and then he makes her drink it. And then if she's an adulteress, then she dies, essentially. And if she's not an adulteress, then she lives and they have to get married, they have to stay married. And it's, it's very puzzling, it's very weird. It's called the Sota section uh, of the Bible. This is in
3: Numbers, right? Uh, is... Yes, and,
0: and, it's, and it's really strange and people don't really understand it. The purpose of, of that, whole, that whole situation, the purpose of that illustration is that it is forbidden in the Ten Commandments to take God's name in vain. Right? God is very serious about you not destroying his name. In, in Jewish law, if there's a scroll, any piece of parchment, any piece of paper, where you write God's name out. This is why Orthodox, many Orthodox Jews won't write even in English the word God. They'll do G-D because they don't actually want to throw it in the trash. You actually have to take the scroll. You have to go bury it somewhere. That's how seriously we take the name of God. Uh, you're not allowed to pronounce uh, what we call Yud-K-Vav-K. you are not even allowed to spell it with the letters. That would be Jehovah in the, in the English transliteration. But um, in Latin. Exactly.
1: It, 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 <laughs> why? But, it's a, but,
0: it, it, but the, the purpose there is that God considers the institution of marriage so serious that he is more willing to have his own name trampled and dissolved mm-hmm. than to allow marriage to dissolve for bad reasons. Wow. Right? That's, that's the message there. Yeah.
2: I, I would say to, there are a lot of divorced people, I'm married to someone uh, for whom our marriage is not there first. And it is true that Jesus says that if you, you know, the, the New Testament holds that if you remarry, you make of your spouse an adulterer. Uh, Jesus also says that if you lust, you're an adulterer, not, not you're on the path to adultery, sure. not you're kind of like an adulterer. I mean, really, if you think about it, Jesus wasn't smoking pot and they're like, oh, it is kind of like that. <laughs> no, he's, Jesus made a lot of very absolute statements about the nature of morality so that people would understand the absolute nature uh, of their uh, state and depravity. And one of the things that bothers me, you'll, you'll hear evangelicals of a certain stripe sometimes say, oh, you married a divorced person. Well, you you know that in God's eyes, uh, they're still married to their first spouse. And I'm like, "What? when did God become an idiot? <laughs> like that's, that is obviously not true. And if it were true, imagine what the morality of it would be over time. So let's say you got married when you were 18. You got divorced when you were 22. You got remarried when you were 30. You had four kids. Now you're uh, pushing 50. And some evangelical gets a hold of you and says, well, you know, in God's eyes, you're still married to your first spouse. And you go, well, holy crap, I don't want to disappoint God. So you walk away from the four kids and you walk away from the current husband and you go find, I guess, some person that you used to know 20 years ago and see if maybe they also believe that you're still married. And you knock on their door and you're like, hey, we're still married. And they're like, what the? God's not dumb. God, uh, God uh, doesn't function outside of reality. right? God isn't the hypothetical God. God is the God who is. And uh, while... Divorce is a terrible, terrible thing, uh, is is absolutely a destruction of the great analogy, according to Paul, that God gave us for our relationship with him, is our relationship between husband and wife uh, in marriage, as in all things. Uh, God's a God of grace as well, and a God who functions within reality, a God who actually does know what we are. I'm not saying that if you remarry, you don't make of your spouse an adulterer. I, I'm saying that the actual takeaway from the teachings of Christ is supposed to be I'm an adulterer. Not how could I possibly I, I, not be an adulterer? No,
5: I agree with this because what Jesus says is, is Moses gave you a law by which you could get divorced because he knew your hearts. He knew. <laughs> he knew. He knew. Basically, yeah, Jews, but Jews are from okay the with beginning. Right.
0: Divorce is a, is a thing in Judaism. Yeah. Yeah. So is, is, yeah. I mean, we are anti-divorce, and, 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 but it's a possibility. And
5: I and I think I, I think you're absolutely right. We're not supposed to live. In this savage way, where people get stuck in a, in a, I know I know a lot of people who got divorced like minutes after they got married, like you know within yeah, yeah, months, yeah. and then got a very happy second marriage. I, I definitely think that's a very different thing. But it's a, it really is a serious business to tear apart what what God has brought. To no, no
2: question. I'm not making any
1: defensive yeah,
6: divorce. Yeah. That's that's why I think you know the Catholic Church with the concept of annulment, uh, which is the idea there is. It's also not like you're going to get stuck on a technicality because God's not going to do that. So just because you, you said the words, it's not like God is saying, well, you're stuck.
3: Um, so, but there's an investigation to find right. out if you so can, you, can you, know, you
6: could you could have a, a situation where you, you get married and you get divorced right away. It's obviously... Mm-hmm. Uh, you weren't serious about the vows, and in that case, then it wasn't, the marriage just never occurred. Or You know, you go to Las Vegas or something and get married when you're drunk.
3: You you drink a giant
6: uh, one of these <laughs> full of booze. Anyone right. get married But there's They're also married. no
0: question that I, I would assume in the Catholic view, that that is innately connected to, because when you're talking about annulment, you're talking about sexual activity also. That's innately connected to the possibility of bearing children. I mean, the, the real shift that has happened in Western culture is the disconnection of marriage from childbearing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it used to be that the, I mean, a plurality of people who got married. The woman was pregnant when they got married. Mm-hmm. I and mean, this was in the, as, as late as the 1930s and 1940s. A huge number of people. The majority. The, was it the majority? It was, it was, either, it was either the plurality the or the majority. A huge percentage of people were having, eight, were having seven-month babies. Mm-hmm. right? Because people were not... But the, the expectation was, you know, this you, 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 do, you do the crime, you do the time. I mean, yeah. that's... Yeah. What, <laughs> because it's not about you. It's not about you. If marriage is about you, then you ought not get married. Really. Uh-huh. And this is true with your spouse. It's true with your children. It's true with your God. Like if, if marriage is about yeah. you finding a way to personally satisfy yourself, then don't get married because honestly, marriage isn't going to do that for you. Marriage is not about personal satisfaction. Yeah. Per- marriage is about you becoming a better human being. That's what marriage does for you. The same way that that's what religion is supposed to do for you. That's why when people look at religion, like, oh, well, I'm personally satisfied. I'm spiritually satisfied. My I don't give a crap. And you know what? <laughs> God really doesn't either because God has a bunch of things you are supposed to do that he expects of you and that are duties. Your spiritual fulfillment is last on his list.
2: Yeah, Job wasn't particularly spiritually satisfied. By the
0: way, I mean, you know Jesus better than I do, but it doesn't look like if he were a human, it would have been a particularly satisfying life, right? And if you look at at Moses, Moses has a pretty miserable life. And Moses gets crapped on by fate one million times, then dies right before he enters the land of Israel. So he never even gets to achieve his lifelong dream. He doesn't even get to pass on the leadership to his son. God says, pass it on to Joshua. You don't get to pass it on to your own kids. That's right. These are people who live... I mean, David fights civil wars with his own children. These are people who live hard, terrible... Difficult life. Because God
2: is the God of reality. This is right. But
5: he's also, I have to inject this, I hate to do it, but he's also the God of joy. And all of the things you're talking about actually are a great joy, maybe at a different level than picking up a girl in in a bar and going home with her, which can be a pleasure. But the joy is in in
0: you reshifting your mind to meet him, not him reshifting reality to meet you. But
5: that's it, he he rewards you for that with joy. And I think even people like Moses, like Jesus, who live these lives of of great tragedy and great difficulty, there is some kind of transcendent feeling when when you have met your God that is Hmm. Well, It talks about Moses'
0: face shining so strongly he has to put on a mask when he comes off of Mount Sinai, because the idea is that when you have aligned, I mean, this is the natural law of you in Catholicism, when you've aligned yourself with the with nature's god when you have aligned yourself with the god who created you created the cosmos created this entire system then that's what's supposed to give you purpose that's what's supposed to give you meaning and when you disconnect all that stuff and then you demand of reality that reality change to fit you no, then you are, de- you, you are you are
5: you are declaring war on the only thing that can make you happy because god is the god of reality and, yeah, and yeah. when you when you love him you suddenly reality makes a whole bunch of sense you know i i always it always gets me when somebody says you know uh, you know, my wife died in a plane crash, and now I've lost my faith. And I thought, why didn't you lose your faith when somebody else's wife died in a plane crash? Because <laughs> yeah, right. that is the world, you know.
6: Yeah, I think I think one of the great messages of the Bible, Old and New Testament, is uh, to find joy through suffering, rather than. It, it, that, in in know, modern times, we find joy. We try to find it by getting around suffering, uh, and you just—it's just not out there. You've got to go through it, mm-hmm. and uh, but that takes patience. And
0: well, this is why the, the entire question when people say, "Well, how can you?" Rectify the idea of a good God with human with suffering in the real world is because god's idea of good is not your
1: idea of good
0: <laughs> you are not God and this whole idea where God is supposed to conform to your idea of what's right and good you don't even know as much as the as the basic conglomeration of humanity that sets the price of a pencil. Yeah, that's why do you think that you know as much as God? By
2: the way, you're not God is God. You're not God is almost the entirety of the gospel. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I'm always trying to think what's the simple, how can yeah. you get the gospel down to its simplest form? Well, The, the way they'd that's always put it is God is not a
0: gumball machine. And right. People who expect God to be a gumball machine, you know, if I do X, Y, and Z, then I will get X. Yeah. Or then why isn't this gumball machine working for me? I, you know, I don't really want to put in the quarter. I'd rather put in the dime and get the gumball. Too bad, man. <laughs> that's not how
2: this works. So if you are 18 and you are contemplating uh, getting married. I do have a patented piece of marriage advice. I, I have several. One is two bathrooms and a king-size bed. <laughs> I promise you can't go wrong, but you may say, but Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy, I can't afford uh, a king-size bed, or I can't afford, eh, get married anyway, but this is re- this is really good advice, uh, and no one will tell you this. Go to bed angry. This is my This is my great marriage advice. It's not great marriage advice day-to-day. People will tell you never go to bed angry, and that's fine advice, if you lose, then never. What they should say is, do everything you can not to go to bed angry. But in the final analysis, sometimes when you try to navigate mm. life with another human being who is in every way different than you, or you can't even agree on the things that you think you agree about, uh, because you're actually using the same <laughs> words to mean different things, you won't figure it out for 10 more years. <laughs> uh, when you're in that situation, you do occasionally mm. come to moments that you simply cannot resolve in the moment. Mm. And you're in a... You, you sit in that moment of complete desperation. You do not have, know how to reconcile yourself to your spouse. And the best thing you can do in that moment, go to bed. And what I mean is, go to bed, literally. <laughs> because you will wake up in the morning and you will still be married. The beauty of marriage is that marriage is. You don't, to, you don't have to create marriage on a daily basis. Marriage will carry you through these problems if you lean on it as an institution given to you by God. The only thing you can do is break your marriage. So if you reach the moment of of sort of irreconcilable conflict, stop trying to reconcile it and just lean into the reality of your marriage. Lean into the fact that tomorrow you will still be married as long as you don't do anything stupid like stop being married, which has been statistically the cause of 100% of all divorces. Alicia, we have one last question for the group for the night.
4: Final question of the night is I think a question that is on all of our viewers' minds. Michael, do you only gym tan laundry everything else on your body besides your legs? And why are they so pale? And why is the control room showing them to me again? You you know, I'll give give you the real reason. I can't handle this. I'm so triggered. This is like sexual harassment. I'm over this. I am done. She's gone. She's out of here. No,
3: wait, please don't go. (laughs) The, The real answer for this is men should not wear shorts. I am doing it for you, people. All right, I, this is the spring break edition, and you're gonna see the only part of my body that is a little more on the white side. This is the white supremacy of my body, you're right? Stop <laughs> stroking your legs. You it's really <laughs> nice, you know. But Same. really, this is the problem. Uh, Tony Soprano, I think, said it in in The Sopranos. He said, uh, "A Don is not supposed to wear shorts. It's not a good look. It's for little boys. For grown men, not a good look."
2: Thank you very much for joining us uh, on this, I think, rousing edition (laughs) of the Daily Wire Backstage. We want to especially thank Matt Walsh and all the people who subscribed during the broadcast today. Uh, We're going to be drawing a name tomorrow for someone to win a chance to come out here and see us. Thank you to all of our subscribers, even the ones who didn't sign up tonight. We appreciate you keeping uh, Michael Knowles uh, in giant comedic bottles of hooch. And we look forward to seeing you back here next time. Adios. Fake laugh. Three, two. (laughs)